What are you drinking? Me? Yeah, yeah, you. This is currently Jack Honey and Dr. Pepper, but I ran out of Jack Honey, so when I'm done, I'm switching to... There's my guy, Captain Morgan. Drank two of those over Christmas. They were fun. I don't normally drink uh, anything harder than beer usually, so (laughs) it was like, I was like, wow, this stuff hits you, and then I got into the, what was it, uh, that and and, uh, eggnog, and you mix those together. It's... uh, not as tasty as other things with eggnog. I don't know why we chose Spice Drum. I feel like rum chato. Rum chato would be the mind. best. I'm going to try that. And I've never heard of that before. But I'm, oh, I'm down. You could drink it straight. It's like milk. Ooh. If you like milk, it's it's a milky alcoholic drink. It's weird. <laughs> but good. I like, I like like cream-based liqueurs. And that makes mm. more sense for uh, it's definitely, yeah. eggnog. <laughs> Definitely, definitely an eggnog mixer and definitely a milk mixer. Welcome to the Variant Vendetta Podcast, a podcast where two variants argue about movies, TV shows, video games, and whether or not macrame pants really cover everything they should. You can support the show by following us at Instagram, TikTok, or Elon Musk's Playhouse at Varian Vendetta, or by giving us a five-star review on your podcast platform. I'm your guest host, Keith, a.k.a. Film Critter, a.k.a. Harry Poppins, and I'm joined by your regular co-host with the, with the co-most, a woman who's too old for Leonardo DiCaprio, Annabelle, and a man who answers the question, what if an angry sweater vest had a podcast? Matt. That was better than any intro we've ever done. Just that was that was great. That was beautiful. I think we need to hire Keith to do our intros from now on. Just weekly. Just hey, send us. Go ahead and send us your recording for the week. We'll put it in this week's episode. I wanted so bad to record that. I am shocked that I did that in one go. (laughs) I've I've been on on the Avengers where I wanted to do like a big like opening thing and then i re-recorded like three times and brandon was just like it's okay it's okay <laughs> <laughs> uh, four i could see him doing that that's funny okay, good. um i i do have a correction though i annabelle you're 23 right yeah she's still got two more years with leonardo dicaprio thank god Damn, thank, <laughs> thank god three years though 50? I know. Three years, you're too old. I'm too old. Which would was, was suck. It was suck. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a it's a shame. And I don't know how true that rule of his is, but my god, it's stupid. Despite its anyway. truth, he has proven multiple times that it's uh it's very, very much true. there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also, it's been a while. I've forgotten. Am I allowed to fucking square on here? Yes, uh, you're allowed to fucking swear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's fucking pretty fucking all right. <laughs> pretty so, damn okay. <laughs> so yes, here we are again with Keith, aka Film Critter, uh, as as our first guest of the Gan- January guest picks. January guest picks. <laughs> Did you January- just have a stroke? <laughs> January guest picks. I I started to mess up, and I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna go with it. <laughs> January. 
first guest on the January guest pick episodes, and he's our first guest ever, second time being on this podcast. Do that math. Coming back for round yeah. two. Yeah, because I loved it and so much. Keith, Keith, what movie did you bring us? I brought you Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Tarantino's ninth film, um, which is one of the reasons why I love it so much. But I'll give the other reasons when you prompt me. Great, great choice, in my opinion. I just want to go ahead before we start and call it. Annabelle did not like this movie. She's going to complain about how long it is. And this is going to be a a Keith and Matt versus Annabelle episode. I am here to be a, a noble mediator, and I want to also just convince Annabelle that it's the best movie ever made. Uh, but I, I'll probably do just one of those two things. So. Um, you are correct, Matt. You are very correct. I did not like yep. this movie at all. I um, not only because of the length of it, but there are other things as well. Uh, right. I just I don't think I'm a Tarantino fan. I don't think I am. <laughs> I I knew as soon as Keith picked this movie, I was like, she is absolutely going to hate how long this movie is. And <laughs> I know for a fact that she does because <laughs> she texted me the other day and she said, only Keith would pick an almost three hour movie. <laughs> I will consider length because I do like short films. I swear to God, I like short films, Annabelle. And one day you'll know it and I'll pick something that's like weirdly short like an hour the like, length what is it what is it tv special like, the no. length's not a big problem i don't believe you if it's good because <laughs> no, no. this movie is good and it's long and you still don't like it okay i need y'all to explain to me how it's good because i was just sitting there the whole time like what the fuck am i watching <laughs> i've got six reasons off the bat can i can i tell you what they are go for it they're, they're not reasons why the movie is good objectively. It, it is purely why I love this movie, okay? So Tar- it's Tarantino's ninth movie. He stated years ago that he would only write and direct 10 movies because he feels that a lot of directors lose their touch and keep working and sully their good names, and he wants to cap out at 10. And I'm a big fan of that mantra. I've been a big fan of his since the 90s, and it's a pretty big deal to me that he's just going to do that and hopefully stick to that. I like that a lot. Um, I love that it deals heavily with television and and film history um, and told from the perspective of a huge television and film fan um, and being someone who's obsessed with that and studied that, I'm gaga for that kind of shit. Um, Tarantino also pulls amazing performances out of actors he works with, and he's worked with both Brad Pitt and DiCaprio before, but separately, and has never gotten both of them in the same thing. Um, I think both of their performances, this blows the other two performances out of the water. uh, Brad Pitt was in Inglorious Bastards and DiCaprio was in Django Unchained. I think that their performance in this movie is infinitely better. Um, I also love when an alcoholic protagonist is done well. It's a rare thing, but it's a great thing. Um, They don't always, they're constantly, there are constantly uh, alcoholic uh, protagonists in movies, but rarely do they get done in such an authentic way, I feel. Um, so I really like that about about Rick Dalton's character. Um, also, I love Westerns, and Tarantino has made two, uh, arguably three if you count Kill Bill Volume 2, 
Um, and this movie isn't a Western, but it plays a lot with that genre. And I love that about it. And last but not least, Tarantino in in his latest films enjoys history revisionism. And this movie very much gives the happier ending to Margot Robbie's character, Sharon Tate, because of how fucked up her end was in real life by the Charles Manson cult um, and his followers. And so it kind of gives like, what if this like radiant uh, at the height of her career, you know, her, her life, she has her whole life ahead of her, you know, eight, eight and a half months pregnant person in real life didn't get killed by these freaks. And instead, those guys got killed, and all the sensationalism that the media put around the Charlie Manson, uh, Charles Manson uh, family and 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 cult was washed away. And you just looked at them as what if they were just idiots who were trying to do something stupid and got their asses handed to them? And I love that about it. And he could only really do that with cults of the Charlie Manson family and Nazis. <laughs> it's like the two things that Tarantino likes to revise when it comes to history. So, anyways, that's it. Yeah, take that, Annabelle. <laughs> okay. The, no, you have a lot of valid points. What you they said about were. Sharon Tate, that I did not like. I thought that this movie was very boring. Mm. Uh, the only interesting parts were the Manson parts. And I did not like what happened with the Manson parts. I wanted, I like serial killer shits and cult shit. So I wanted to get into that fucking shit. Oh boy, do we have a real life true crime story for you then? <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't you rather see a down on his luck, maybe end of his career, like kick ass, like black belt uh, uh, stuntman who's high on acid, beat the ever loving shit out of three Charlie Manson cultists than what actually could have happened? You know what I mean? Like he just, pulverizes the justice out of them and instead of them being like book selling uh freaks i did like that scene because of how ridiculously hilarious it was um and how just out of nowhere it comes (laughs) out out of nowhere that's probably the only thing i liked about this movie (laughs) well i get that i'm gonna pull a little whitney's favorite thing that i do and just go ahead and say (laughs) Your opinion is wrong, and we're going to prove you otherwise. <laughs> I, I'm not even saying that this is a perfect movie. I have many other movies that I, I hold in higher regard. There are parts of this movie that could be better, but I really like this movie. So it's, it is purely me. Not everybody has to. That's my position. I am not Switzerland exactly, but I'm trying to be more neutral than Matt calling you wrong. <laughs> and, and you saying it's bad. It's got to be somewhere in the middle. <laughs> Is this like your favorite? Is this your favorite Tarantino movie? Oh man, um, probably not. I I would hold it in the same regard as Inglorious Bastards and possibly even Pulp Fiction. I think that the his- history of it and the and the lo- the love that he packed into it of old television and where Hollywood started and how it was very different back then. I love that so much that I do hold it up to the Pulp Fiction regard, but but my but my fa- but my favorite still uh, his first movie, Reservoir Dogs, <laughs> which is for okay. a, a slew of reasons that I couldn't get into because it'd be another Google Doc somewhere uh, in the ether at this point. Yeah, it's a long explanation, but yeah, is this your favorite Quentin Tarantino movie? No, I I <laughs> wouldn't I wouldn't even put it up there with like. 
I'd say the the top ones up there for me are are Pulp Fiction, uh, Django and Glorious Bastards, and Reservoir Dogs. I don't think I would put this up there with those. I would say that this one, like I would say, like Django is a little bit lower, uh, but it's on. I loved Inglorious Bastards so much. Pulp Fiction is a. I'd say it's a little bit higher, but not by a lot. Like Pulp, Pulp Fiction's got to be higher. Huge people put put Pulp Fiction on this pedestal, and I get why. But I also, I see that there's there's things that he's learned since being a filmmaker, and that was his second second of nine movies. This is his ninth. I I see growth there where he's learned a little bit and become better at it i don't know hateful eight is like dead. yeah hateful eight's lower <laughs> hateful eight which, i understand what people hate <laughs> which one was jackie brown was that the third uh yes yeah it was jackie brown was before kill bill he took a bit of a break before kill bill and that was also the only one that was based on the writings of a nov- another novelist um whereas the rest of them were original scripts based on either true events or his own entire creation. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm so, a Tarantino fan, Annabelle, but I understand <laughs> when other people don't love him. I get it. It's okay. But, but Matt, to be fair... You're also welcome to your <laughs> To be fair, Annabelle's only ever seen Pulp Fiction and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's a lie. I have also seen Inglorious Bastards. And Inglorious Bastards. Ooh, what do you <laughs> think? been a very long time but i do remember liking inglorious bastards and i think that's probably the only tarantino film i like okay there, you're there one are... for three yeah there there's there nine some of his movies where he and i won't say this is that you liked it or didn't like it because of a gender thing but i am i, I i'm he's made kill bill and kill bill 2 and inglorious bastards to me share a a thing of um they they really have an amazing female protagonist and i think that really got him a lot more fans from the other side uh of the the gender aisle but he didn't really do that early in his career it was basically all a guys show or guys club and then he started doing more stuff this movie i don't think really does that and it's funny to see it as his ninth and we're we're spending all our time with Brad Pitt and, and Leo DiCaprio and Sharon Tate is just basically the through line to the end for you to see that oh she's here look how nice she is she's so nice uh and then at the end aren't you glad that she didn't die like that's kind of a part that they're a thing that they're doing they're playing with or he's playing with she's not a hero at all in this in this movie and and no i don't think there's any female characters that are which is a shame um but anyway back to you <laughs> annabelle I just, yeah what did you love just, about Inglorious Bastards? Well, it's been many, many years since I've seen that movie. So I'm very foggy on it. But I remember. Yeah, I do want to watch it again. I remember liking the ridiculousness of the um, the head Nazi, I think. I can't remember the actor's name, but y'all, Christoph I'm pretty sure y'all know who I'm talking about. Christoph Waltz. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I liked yeah. the ridiculousness of him. Yeah. He's fantastic. You would like Django Unchained if you like his performance in that because they use him again right afterwards. He's just a really great actor. Yeah. Him and Jamie Foxx and Django, and he's not an asshole in that one. So yeah. That's cool. <laughs> Maybe yeah. Tarantino is just a hit or a miss for me. Sometimes. <laughs> <That's> like, <right. laughs> 
Uh, oh, no. yeah. We're we're one for three out of nine. So yeah, there you go. You gotta invite me back for every single Tarantino one you do. Since uh, oh, every single I'm one. I'm down for that. <laughs> I'm down for it. Why not? <laughs> um, Let's get her to like Reservoir Dogs. That's that awesome. one. I don't know. I'd say that one's pretty easy. It's probably it's probably easier than Hateful Eight, which to me is oh, like yeah. a sequel to Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you seen um, Hateful Eight Extended Edition on Netflix? It's split up into like four different parts, and they're all like forty five minutes long or something. I did watch that once. I actually clicked on it without knowing that I was watching an extended version. I was like, "Wait, that's how the movie went. Wait, what? What's this new chapter?" Like, it was it was funny to see because they do do they do chapters in this. I forget. I know they do in Inglorious Bastards. No. They don't do chapters. Do they? No, they don't. Yeah, they basically just do like, oh, this is six months later. Like, that's kind of the title screen. Yeah. 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 Because the movie only takes place in like two and a half days. (laughs) That's it. Yeah. It does show it until the very end when it's when it does like that huge time time jump where it's like six months later or whatever. Yeah. Rick has all these new movies and he's headed back home. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so, so is, yeah, yeah, <laughs> we're doing we're doing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Having <laughs> in case y'all didn't know, what? No, <laughs> so Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Description says, actor Rick Dalton gained fame and fortune by starring in a 1950s television western, but is now struggling to find a meaningful work in Hollywood that he doesn't recognize anymore. He spends most of his time drinking and pawing around with Cliff Booth his easygoing best friend and longtime stunt double. Rick also happens to live next door to Roman Polanski and Sharon Tate, the filmmaker and budding actress whose futures will forever be altered by the members of the Manson family. And this is the ninth film by uh, Quentin Tarantino. And it is streaming on Stars. I don't own Stars. Annabelle, I don't think you do either. Keith, do you? Nope. So I, I rented on, this. I got it on Canadian Netflix. Oh. It's still there. We don't have we don't have Canadian Netflix. <laughs> we had to rent it on Amazon. <laughs> oh no, I'm so sorry. I have it on DVD, but like my PS4 is the only DVD player I have, and it's not plugged in. And I just I didn't feel like plugging it in. So I was like, oh, wow. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like I got to get like all behind the dress. Like I got to move the dresser out, get behind it, plug unplug some certain stuff, plug in some other certain mm-hmm. stuff, and it's like uh, fair. It's only $3.99. <laughs> Anyways, so this has a Rotten Tomatoes critic score of 70%, an audience score of 80%, a 7.6 out of 10 on IMDb, and is liked by 73% of Google users, including Ooh. Annabelle. No. Yes. <laughs> Incorrect. No. <laughs> on that one. That's fair. All right. I did not like it. Act one, first, you know, let's just say first third of the movie, right? Yeah. It starts off a little slower, in my opinion. A little. <laughs> this in is my just opinion, in my opinion, the they could have cut out a whole hour and 20 minutes of this movie. It felt completely <laughs> unnecessary. Yeah. I have no opinion on that opinion. <laughs> I I have a point that I was just going to save until at the very end. But so I've seen this movie probably like 
five times now. And after, like, because the first time I, I didn't know, like, what was going to happen. I didn't know exactly what everything was going to be. So I watched it, you know, with a blank slate. But after, like, after having watched it that first time, rewatching it a couple more times, I always watched it with the mindset of this movie is about the Manson family and their murders. Yeah. And it was just basically me waiting from the beginning all the way to the end to that point. Yeah. Yeah. That's wrong. That's not that's not yeah. how you're supposed to watch yeah. that. Yeah. It's not yeah. how you're supposed to watch it at all. I was very excited about this movie because I love cults and Oh no. Yeah. Now we know the source, the whole reason why Annabelle's hating this movie. I oh. got about an hour in and I was like, man, I'm bored as fuck. When the fuck are we gonna get to the Manson shit? <laughs> This movie yep. is very much so about Rick and Cliff and them buddy, going buddy. through this. They're best you know, friends. Yeah. The life. It, and the timeline yeah. just, or not the timelines, but the, uh, you know, the paths of, of the events. Yeah. Yeah. Roman and Sharon and all those people in that house and then Rick and Cliff and then the Manson family. It's all them like coming together. Yeah. At the yeah, end. This, this is very much the, that, that occurrence in real life is like a <laughs> I don't even know how to explain like it's like a background it's like a tapestry in the room and this is this movie is very much just a buddy comedy in a lot of ways about Rick and, and Cliff yeah 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 so, Which, his best things to do Tarantino's best thing is to create his own characters so I'm glad that's the way it happened yeah that is true because i mean like what other movies has he had like real people in yeah like even even in glorious bastards hitler in it is seen maybe for a whole two minutes in the whole movie and uh maybe goebbels and some of his other close allies were shown more but he's definitely not uh making a career out of a doing documentarian like accuracy when when it comes to people right. he is lampooning them he's making fun of them he's saying let's make them crying babies uh because they were such terrible people um yeah that's the way i see it it's making me want to watch inglorious bastards now <laughs> me too <laughs> it's good times um i i will say i find it funny that how despite the fact that cliff is rick's stunt double the two of them look absolutely nothing alike. Right? <laughs> absolutely nothing alike. And, and nobody in the movie can see that at all. Like, they're all like, yeah. are, you, are you seeing double? <laughs> nope, you're not. It's just a stunt double. And it's like, I, is that your son? Like, I love when he's talking to Kurt Russell's character about... Um, He's like, you're not gonna find a better double for me. He's a spitting image. Like he can't. <laughs> yeah. Like he's like defending <laughs> Cliff Booth. I was like, but that's that's really all it took. And, and the relationship between an actor and their stunt double it stretched on beyond one project. It was every project. You find the guy who's slightly close to your face and can just put on the wig. They don't get seen very often. You can tell when you watch old movies and television, but it's yeah, it's uh they were just like, okay, we're linked now. You are my you're my guy. I did I did really really like that. It's even funny seeing things like like how when they're pulling out of the driveway, you know, and it's it's got the credits going on, 
they switched the names. So Brad Pitt's name is over Leo and Leo's name is over Brad Pitt. Like it's even like to that point that they're trying to convince you of this. <laughs> and their personalities could not be more different, which I really love in this. Um, and then to further drive your point, Keith, about capturing this, you know, 1960s LA. Um, obviously we weren't around back then, but from what I've seen, I've watched, you know, videos of, of people like breaking down this movie in, in comparison to like real life. And I've also like, just looked up a bunch of stuff. It does seem like Quentin Tarantino did a fantastic job of capturing 1960s LA. Yeah. He, he, he blocked off full streets. He's a big fan of practical effects. He's not going to spend time CGing in a bunch of billboards. He made those buildings become the old you know the 1960 what 69 um era and the advertising was important to him the cars the the rules of the road you see a scene where brad cliff cliff booth is just driving home like a maniac and it's like everybody yeah. does that yep <laughs> everybody even roman when he's driving he does the same thing they make that turn off a of cielo drive like like at a 60 miles per hour just 90 degrees they don't give a shit and it's, oh. it's it's a funny thing to see yeah, yeah we'll get to that though later before we even got the um the date on the screen like the year i was like oh this has to be like early 70s late 60s and yeah. i could tell that without even knowing what the actual yeah. date was for it so yeah he did there a good go. job with that i will say that it was, it was so important to him because he and he was just a kid when in that era but he it was so important to him to capture that because because hollywood's changed along with the internet like people don't revere stars of movies uh the same way that they used to they still do don't get me wrong celebrity still goes a, lo a long way but there's not like the top 10 names in hollywood anymore it's more like the 500 names that you hear the most uh and it's all because of online influence and and you don't have to live in hollywood to be an actor anymore it's it's all over the place yeah you know it goes great with this movie rub no <laughs> this oh, is not okay. an ad this is not an ad for uh Catherine morgan i wish it was though that'd be kind of cool but um <laughs> have either of you ever read the book uh helter skelter no no it's Explain. it's basically about it's it's about like the the murders that the way they actually happened obviously but it's like from like a true crime kind of perspective where they have like i mean it goes full full on in detail about everything that happened like yeah. all the way down to like the cops who like walked up onto the property and saw you know what they saw when they got there like yeah full details this movie does like a really good job of like giving you a visual while you're reading that book because like you, you're yeah. reading it you know whatever you just picture like normal streets or whatever but this is like this isn't just normal streets like this is mansions in the in the hollywood hills you know yeah and i read yeah. that i read that book after i saw this movie so after seeing it i kind of like put a lot of pictures together while reading yeah it. no he he's in incredibly dedicated on vibe setting um which is definitely a term that he wouldn't use uh, but it's, it's just he knows how to make like completely um, create an atmosphere uh, that 
gets people in the moment. And he, he that's why he spends more time on those moments that I don't I don't know that those are the moments you're saying should be cut out of the film, Annabelle. They're like scenic driving shots and like the shots that are slow on the backgrounds and slow on the atmosphere. But but I do see an argument. I understand an argument for cutting that stuff out. It's just there's not really directors out there that do the, the amount of detail work that he does on creating the atmosphere. So he I know would want to spend a ton of time getting those vibes like what's on tv what's playing on the radio in the car what cars are on the road like what's in the background on the ads what's in the background of the, the wardrobe on the people walking on the street like he's so detail-oriented passionate but again that might not be what you mean by cut down stuff because there's probably a lot of other stuff that people <laughs> would feel cut cut worthy no no not not that the main reason i say that is because i went into this movie thinking it was a Charles Manson movie. Mm. That's what I mean by they could have cut literally half of this entire fucking movie out because yeah. there's very little Charles Manson whatsoever yeah. in it. Like I said, it's it not does about match. him. To me, it does match then the they same need to thing. change the description. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> cut it out and make it a, what do you a want? surprise that Charles Manson was even involved. Yeah, they Is need to take... They need to take Charles Manson out of the description at all, like completely, because that, it's me, barely, barely in this it. movie. Barely. That to me was not Tarantino himself putting that in there. That that's the marketing teams. We we yeah. I I, compl- I I myself complain all the time about insecure marketing details that don't need to be in the description on Netflix or in the description or in the trailers of movies that are coming out. Oh my god, it's so mind numbing when they have a very confident and competent director and writer team make a movie and then they hand it over to the publicity team and they make it like no one's gonna see this we really gotta talk up this aspect or that aspect it's like god just let it breathe let it speak for itself just show 10 seconds of it and let that be the trailer that's that's when you start pissing people off because i was fucking mad when i finished this movie i was like wow i really just wasted three hours of my life can i be honest (laughs) with y'all I know we're all three. I know we're all three big Marvel fans here, but I feel like Marvel does that a lot. <laughs> like That's a lot. Kind of yeah, what I was lately, talking about, yeah. <laughs> lately, they have been. Yes, lately. Especially with like the suits, like they'll show the the super suit in the trailer oh for a series, yeah. and then it, they just it's not in episode one. It's not in episode two. It's yeah. Not in episode three. Oh my god! Not Best in four. Example. Not in five. Okay, well, I guess it's gonna be in six. Best example is showing that that daredevil was even going to be in she hulk oh yeah yep. omit that yeah. don't tell us make that make us all excited to see it when it happens don't ugh. like king yeah. kingpin and, and hawkeye at least they didn't show that they didn't show that, that and nice. that was still like that was still like that blew my mind when i saw it let that be the spoiler of that week and people can avoid the internet for 24 48 hours tops and not have to be like oh i can't see a trailer for the show i'm excited about for three months ahead of before the premiere episode like that's so stupid yeah just just have some cojones anyways <laughs> annabelle you got anything on on act one that you want to um, talk about so more like overall i do think leonardo dicaprio did an amazing job in this movie um i loved him playing this ridiculous actor that's crying over stupid shit and is like no i'm not gonna be in what 
like I'm not gonna be in fucking Italian movies. Like, what the <laughs> fuck damn. is wrong with Italian movies? It's official, old buddy. I'm a has been. <laughs> yeah, don't I let the Mexican that. see you cry. <laughs> <laughs> what is that, what does that even mean? Is that supposed to be like some kind of like <laughs> joke or reference? The guys who are doing the valet parking. Yeah, I got, yeah, I, I got that. So but like, like, it... don't let them see you cry because it's not, it's not tough and bravado and American. It's like, oh, we uh, don't let them see you cry. Yeah, that you're that supposed to joke, have it all and be the dream. That joke has always like just gone right over my head. I'm like, what is that even supposed to mean? <laughs> <laughs> They'll start thinking they're tougher than us. I don't know. He's just a holding racist. <laughs> 1960s LA, but he he had no idea like. And, and to be honest, the the years, even decades after Clint Eastwood did spaghetti westerns, he did. They didn't know that they were going to be as big as they were. They just became bigger and bigger as decades went by because they're so different, and they're so weird and original. And and it's so strange to to think this whole genre got a name of its own spaghetti westerns that were not shot. Everybody on set was speaking a different language. And then they dubbed it all in English or whatever country it that, was going to premiere in. Like that. What they say that that Tower different. of Babel bullshit or Tower whatever. of ba- Tower of Babel <laughs> bullshit. He thought that was ridiculous. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I was going to say the. Um, yeah. No. That actually. No. Never mind. That. That's all I'll say until Annabelle has more notes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. And I, I liked seeing the comparison between uh, Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth of like the lavish actor living this big life and then the stunt double that actually is like just scraping by. I really liked that they showed that comparison. Um, his dog, Brandy, was my favorite character in this whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> There's the female hero. There's the yes! damn oh yes! my God. <laughs> strong female hero. Does she ever yeah. grab the world by the mm, yeah cojones? Cojones is right. I, it's one of my favorite scenes too. He gets out of the car that Rick. That's Rick's car, but he drives him everywhere in it. And then he gets in his car. It's kind of a beat up convertible and drives it like a maniac home to his trailer behind a drive-in and feeds his big ass dog and just sits down eating macaroni i was like that's the best that's the best way with no words to give us a character description yes like that is that is cliff booth that he could kick your ass but he also lives in a trailer with some macaroni and he just wants to sit and watch manix i was like this guy yeah and he's got i don't know if y'all noticed but he had the sergeant fury comic on his uh like table or whatever what Damn. i don't think i noticed that no i didn't notice yeah. that he's got another one i forget what it is but one of them is definitely sergeant fury <laughs> um what else oh when when um al pacino's character and rick are meeting in the bar and they're talking to each other or whatever and, and rick tells him that he got his license revoked for too many, or what was it? Uh, his oh, car was, in, he told him that his car was in the shop, but then the right, narrator's right. like, he's lying. Like he got a DUI or something. Too many DUIs. Yeah. I find it funny that Kurt Russell narrates these certain parts, but then Kurt Russell also has a character yeah. in the movie. <laughs> it's like, 
But like he's he's known them forever, and he could tell you their whole life story. And this is Kurt Russell's version of what's going on. Like, yeah, I like that too. Yeah, they do that a little bit with the with Samuel Jackson and Kill Bill. He's got some some short in first the first Kill Bill. He's got some short narration, and then the second Kill Bill, he plays the piano player at the wedding, and you're like, wait, what? That's <laughs> didn't i hear your voice what, a minute ago what yeah. else did he do that in i feel like he's done that before that Tarantino wasn't that Max. yeah that wasn't either of those uh i feel like what am i thinking of i feel like um harvey Keitel did some voiceover for him in one of them maybe it was inglorious bastards actually I, I can't remember the scene it's been so long since i watched that one but but I, that, that Al Pacino scene, apparently Leo and Al Pacino got to re- rehearse and work on that that scene for days. And and DiCaprio had never um, worked with Al Pacino before. And he was just so delighted that he got to spend so much time with him. this guy in his like twilight years. But he's done so many movies and he gets to play this smart ass, like slick movie producer who's just telling him how it is like, oh, if you die in this movie or this show, who's going to kick your ass next week and next week and next week? You got to go to Italy. And he's just going to just completely like greasing the wheels on this decision that, oh, by the way, I got you your star uh for this next like 10 movies in italy like good job al pacino (laughs) it's it's kind of odd though that they got al pacino for this role because he's like he's in it for just barely more than a cameo (laughs) like yeah Yeah. and it's al pacino i mean like he's one of the biggest actors in this entire movie but like you see that throughout the movie in general these bigger actors than the parts that they play like lena dunham plays like a four second part and she's like a comedy queen um, even kurt russell's character too kurt, kurt yeah kurt russell's character um the guy uh who the hell is it the the one well i mean uh what's his name i think it's bruce dern playing the george at the spawn ranch who's gone blind now yeah um, yeah yeah dakota fanning playing squeaky like she's a big name and she's playing like a yep. five five second sydney like, sydney sweeney too she's one of the manson girls yeah and they, then they, uh austin butler i mean he had a slightly bigger yes. role but still and he was a smaller actor at the time like he wasn't big in 2019 but he played Tex, and I, when I, I had to rewatch, looking at it, that was, this rewatch was the first time I realized that's the guy who plays Elvis, and holy shit, that's the guy everybody's making fun of for taking on the accent of Elvis after playing Elvis. I didn't, I didn't think it was him either. I, for whatever reason, I thought this was the same actor who played Gambit in the X Men Origins Wolverine movie. Taylor Kitsch. I don't remember his name. Yeah, I know who you're talking about though. Yeah, he doesn't. Uh, yeah, I, f- I thought it was him for the longest time. That guy's been in like Lone Survivor and John Carter and like Savages with Aaron Taylor. What's his name? Uh, yeah, that's a weird. He, he has a, a strange career of not so great uh, movie uh, box office releases, <laughs> which is a shame. <laughs> Poor bastard. I knew it was Austin Butler the second he came on my uh, screen because I have did. been I've been an Austin Butler fan since he was on Carrie Diaries. So <laughs> what the hell is I'm, Carrie Diaries? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> it's an old show, so well, kind of old. I guess uh, let me see. I actually when did that come out? Not Bounty Law old. You know, yeah, definitely not Bounty <laughs> Law. Old. You Bounty know what else Law. he was in? He was in Hannah Montana. 
Yes, he was in Hannah Montana. Carrie Diaries came out in 2013. So I've been an Austin Butler fan before he was even big. (laughs) Are you... Were you not delighted by Austin Butler's performance in that uh, I'm the devil, I'm here to do devil's business or whatever? <laughs> I did love devil that. Shit. <laughs> I did love that. Yes, I loved his character um, and his performance. And I was honestly quite sad when I saw him get fucking brutally murdered by Brandy. <laughs> this blows and then my mind. Cliff's boot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That blows my mind that that is the same person. Like, there's no way. There's no way. He's a bit of a chameleon. Because I wouldn't have guessed that the guy who played Tex could also play Elvis. Like, that's a big, that's a big transition. He's he's a bit of a chameleon right now. Unlike, not not unlike Leo DiCaprio, who can kind of play anything. They need, they need Austin Butler to be uh, the next Spider-Man villain in the MCU. I would love that. He could, he could literally be chameleon. I would love that. He just, also the... dated Vanessa Hudgens for the longest time. Is that the uh, high school musical girl? Yes, it is. <laughs> I love that you know that. <laughs> I only know that because of my fiance making me watch them once a year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's painful. <laughs> I have not seen a high school musical in probably over a decade. It has Amazing. to be. Amazing it's funny movies. it's funny watching them with her and sh- and her being like yeah i don't know why she's in this her voice is kind of annoying <laughs> <laughs> being like i don't know why she's in this either let's watch something else <laughs> but it never happens we finish all three the third one blows that's what i thought the second yeah. one's underrated it's all right High School Musical, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I have nothing to contribute to this because I don't watch this movie. What did you think of the... uh, the, One of my favorite scenes in the movie in general is uh, the first time you see Rick Dalton uh, test driving the flamethrower. And he's like, uh, he's running his lines and he's blowing the flamethrower. Then he's like, ah, it's it's too hot. Is there anything we could do about the heat? And the guy, the stunt coordinator, the guy helping him with it is just like, it's a flamethrower. <laughs> <laughs> I read somewhere that that was actually Leonardo DiCaprio saying that. Like, it was a real flamethrower <laughs> and it was actually Leo saying that and they just included it. I, I cannot confirm this is true, I, but I saw that. I wouldn't doubt that it was on his... I think he probably ad-libbed it. Like, he was living in that character. I think he said it with the accent and everything. I oh, wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't doubt it for a second that he thought, you know what, I'm going to say this because I think this. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's too hot. It's just too hot. Rick. Yeah. It's a flamethrower. I like that he kept that flamethrower, too. Yeah. And he just... They don't reference it once. The whole no. rest of the movie. Like, it's so... I love that little little secret if if you went to the bathroom if you went to the bathroom during that you completely were like well why does he have this in his shed true like um what movie am i here to see is this flamethrower something yeah flamethrower killing people movie (laughs) it's like a 2006 action movie uh Okay, so what 
did y'all think about the Bruce Lee versus Cliff fight? Hilarious. It was funny. I will say that. When he fucking threw him into the car and it just completely dented the side of it, I was like, holy shit. I think, is that the first time that we actually see, like, Cliff Booth is, like, pretty fucking strong? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think think so. so. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that it takes place, like, like, he's been told that, okay, this guy's on set today. I don't think I can really give you any jobs. Um, They don't like you anymore. And then him going home, putting a beer in his... (laughs) And, belt, and then like, like jumping like a cat up onto the roof taking his shirt off and then having a nine minute flashback of why that is and it coming back to him being like fair enough like really, <laughs> it was great that was that was pretty fantastic do you i know his opinion I, sorry go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I, I know that Bruce Lee's daughter had an opinion about how her father was portrayed in the movie and how he was kind of clowned and, and made to be the butt of a joke. Um, I think Tarantino basically came back with the fact that, no, you're like, hey, it's OK for him to have been cocky like he was he was like that. People have talked about him in that regard. And, and she was just like, you know, I, nobody knows my father better than I do type of type of thing. I see both sides. I, I I think he was made to be a bit of a butt of a joke, which is a shame. But at the same time, it, it was a funny joke. And he's also brought back later in the movie to be showing Sharon Tate some martial arts. And he's like, he's not a bad guy. He's just, he was a little into a little bit of competitive competition just on the set. Uh, I don't know. And he technically, he technically didn't lose the fight either. True. Because they did say who best two out the of three. Guy on their ass. Yeah. Yeah, he said whoever can knock you on your ass. Yeah. It was only one to one. They never got to finally set the score. So I thought they portrayed him very playfully. And they were like, he's like, first of all, no one kicked Bruce Lee's ass. (laughs) 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 Still conscious. It's like he's just having a good time. I didn't think it was that bad. Cliff just incriminates himself. Like, the the car over there says otherwise. (laughs) And then, then, um, uh, I don't even remember her character's name. Um, Janice. Janice. No, Janet. Yeah. Janet. Janet. It might be Janet. Yeah. Let me let me work. Find search Janet in my doc. Yep. When Janet says, "Oh my God, what the fuck did you do to my car?" Well, I threw this little shit into it, but I did not know it was your car. <laughs> like, I like that. Get your shit. Or what? What does he say? Get, get the wardrobe off. Get your shit, and get off the lot. Get off. The lot, yeah. <laughs> and she tells and him to fuck him. off. <laughs> yeah. She tells she, him that. He, Kurt Russell's character. It's like, get yeah, off the Kurt, lot. <laughs> Kurt Russell warned him as he took a chance on him. Warned him. He's like, you know, my wife Janet. Yeah. Steer clear of her. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. She doesn't like you. She never. That's what. You. That's what I was gonna ask a minute ago. What do y'all think about? Um, Cliff and his wife. The theory. Did he actually do it? I don't know. I mean, the way they set it up, it kind of looks like he could have done it or it could have been an accident. And everybody knows that they had not a good relationship. Yeah. And they're just trying to pin it on somebody. But 
I don't know. I mean, yeah. she, I, I would have pushed her off the boat. <laughs> That's the yeah, thing. It's like, they didn't push her how off. How many, how many, <laughs> wait, <laughs> what was the theory? <laughs> that he, oh, I was under the impression that he shot her with the harpoon gun because it was like, oh, <laughs> it was sitting in his lap pointed straight at her and he had his hand like on the thing. Whoops. I, I didn't thought. even notice the harpoon gun. <laughs> That's what I thought, but. Did someone mention a harpoon gun after? I think someone does. Did he? Yes, that's the guy who harpooned his wife or whatever. I feel like someone says that. Maybe I'm wrong. Did but they? no, that, that I know. scene does, it does feel like it's like, okay, this is very clearly a possible story that, yes, it could have happened this way. It also makes sense the other way. And everybody just assumed because he, they just hated each other. It's like, oh, she came back or they came back and she was gone. <laughs> so, okay. Apparently... Apparently, this was based on a real story, though. Like with a a famous, I think it was a famous actor. I forget the names, but famous actor Reynolds. No. Okay. Famous actor on a boat with his wife, and he pushed her off into the water, and because his wife drowned in mysterious circumstances, but he was never never arrested i god i wish i could remember the names it's always the husband uh, if true crime man. if true crime has taught me anything it's always the husband suspect not, number one not always but yeah they are they are pretty much always but in a world where in a world part. where they are suspect number one wouldn't it make the most sense for people to always suspect the husband after that yeah so it's like he can't even get out of that because that's what the world expects and suspects and in, 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 inspects. Yeah. <laughs> Natalie Wood? Was it Natalie Wood? That, that sounds that sounds right. That sounds right, yeah. Mysterious and then drowning. Her husband was assumed to have pushed her into the water, but never proved. Yikes. I don't know why I thought it was the harpoon gun, because if this is based on that, he the theory is that he pushed her in but the heart i mean the harpoon gun is mis- like it is pointed directly at her he's not like pointing it at her it's yeah. just sitting on his lap doesn't that that's the scene where he he cracks the beer he's wearing the he's wearing the big embarrassing yep. looking like and he cracks the beer and it just foams into the <laughs> the visor and he's just staring at her and i was just like whether he killed her or not this is a funny scene (laughs) i'm on the worst the worst boat and the worst ocean with the worst person yeah all my friends told me i shouldn't have married you (laughs) (laughs) she's very clearly drunk as well (laughs) yeah yeah like i just got this boat rick said i could borrow it (laughs) it's not even his type of thing yeah okay and then other series that could be made up about that you could go into whole different like you could do whole movies on on several minutes of this movie. Yeah, several yeah. just little tiny plot points <laughs> that are just yeah. sprinkled in. Um <laughs> rounding out act 1 though. And I mm-hmm. I say this loosely because I don't even like I'm not even sure what act we're in anymore at this point but rounding out yeah. act 1 we finally see, you know, Cliff comes out of that that flashback, and you finally see Charles Manson for a second, like a tiny yeah. second. Oh no, 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 no! Come on, it's for a couple seconds. It's like 
at least a minute or two. Not enough. Well, he is the Charles Manson actor that plays him in Mind Hunters. As That's well. my next note. Right? Yep, it was <laughs> Dame, Damon Harriman. Same nice. actor that plays him. Yeah. And he's got like a bigger part and I think a lot of deleted scenes. I haven't seen the deleted scenes. I got to buy the Blu-ray. I'll be honest. It's in my wish list right now. I have um, the Blu-ray and I have not seen the deleted scenes. Apparently but now, there's a lot more Charlie Manson, which is nice. But I got to watch that because in, in this scene that he's in, like it's yeah, it's funny that like he gets out of his little van, he like waves up at, at Cliff and then he continues on up the driveway. But when Jay spots him from inside and he goes out and it's like, Hey, what are you doing out here? And he him and Jay are talking to each other and Sharon walks out the front door and she's like, Jay, who is it? And you see like Jay like turn around and as he turns around, you see Charles Manson like poke his head around and then come right back as he turns back around. I thought that was perfect. Like it is just the timing of that is perfect. You know what I'm talking about? Very well blocked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just I thought that was very funny. A little bit. Yeah. And they make it so mysterious, everything going on with that side of the plot. And and there are theories that, you know, the after the whole crime happened, uh Charles Charles Manson and his and his followers um claimed that it was they wanted the whole reason was to do something that would shock hollywood and shock the uh the mainstream folk and it's like at the same time there were later rumors released that charles manson knew a a music producer that lived in that house and he turned him down once and like kind of embarrassed him in front of his friends and so that was the real reason why he didn't really know who lived in that house he just wanted revenge on the guy who lived there and thought he still did and uh yeah so it's 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 there's two versions of what was really going on in manson's head and why he said okay target that house and hurt those people had yeah i thought it was because he was he was hearing um subliminal messages in the white album by the beatles telling him to start a race war and that's why he went and killed them. And then he wrote on the wall something about pigs trying to like put the blame on the cops to so start a, oh, a race war between cops and, you know, people of color. Like, and then very that, possible. That's why he got the swastika tattooed on his forehead later on when he was in prison. Like, God. you know, far more than I do about the subject. I, I had no idea about that. You didn't know about that? That's why that I, I have yet to get into that side of the story. Sadly, he called was, he called his he called his whole idea Helter Skelter, which mm-hmm. is you. I mean, I'm sure you've listened to the White Album, right? Yeah, that's a song on the White Album by the Beatles is Helter Skelter. Yeah. He thought he was hearing subliminal messages like he thought that they were trying to tell him something. And he is like. His race war was called Helter Skelter, and that's what. That's what he tried to start up, but... Well, damn. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I did not. Ah! Read the book. Read the book, Helter Skelter. I want to. I want to now. Cults, like, absolutely fascinate me. It's just, like, it's so wild to me that this one person has this crazy outlandish fucking ideas that are obviously not fucking okay and they get these large groups of people to just follow them it's amazing to me i can't it's so fascinating i don't understand 
the psychology behind it, but it's wild to me. You know, you know what's crazy too is Manson didn't kill anybody. Yeah. He got his he got his followers to do it for him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's wild. wild. <laughs> granted, granted, they were so probably weird. a bunch of high hippies, but still. According to young to the, young teenage hippies too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it is it is very interesting. Annabelle, have you seen Mindhunter? No, I haven't. I need to watch it. Oh, you yeah, love it. Watch it. I think yeah. you'd really like it. Yeah, I need to watch it. There's Especially a lot of season stuff I need two. To watch. I still need it's to watch an, Dahmer. It's not nearly. Oh, you'd like Dahmer too. But yeah, the, it's entirely about, not so much about the murders as it is the very accurate interviews uh, and the, the actors that they get to play those murderers. Like, the, yeah, the, it's amazing some of the performances that are in this two season show. Which yeah. might not return. I don't know if it's returning for season three. I hope so. Very good. It's yeah, because yeah, like he said, it's not about the murders themselves. It's about the two agents trying to form this new, um, like division of figuring out the psychology behind why they did it and how yeah. to prevent it in the future. It's like a, a a young FBI agent who's into more psychology and understanding the brain, and he starts to see these patterns. And only only at the point that the movie that the show starts, it's like only the beginnings of what understanding a serial killer is uh, has started circulating in the FBI. And they're like, we need an entire division for this. Like this is just going to keep getting worse. So we need to know what the hell they're thinking and try to understand it so we can stop it. Um, it's, it's a pretty awesome show. Yeah, I think you'd think you'd like it. Plus, it's by yeah. David Fincher, which I believe at least he produces it. Which, if you've ever seen Seven or Fight Club or um, The Game or Gone Girl or uh, House of Cards, never seen you've never seen any of these. Never seen any of those? <laughs> I think I've seen Gone Girl, but you've seen Panic Room. Panic Room, I have seen that with um, not Natalie Portman. Kristen Stewart and Jodie Foster. Kristen Stewart, yeah, because she's yeah. like a child in it. Yes, I have yeah. seen Panic Room. Great. Watch movie. Watch Seven too. You'd probably like that one. Okay. <laughs> it's about a serial killer who bases his he he does seven murders, bases all of them on the seven deadly sins. It's pretty cool. Oh, <laughs> it's on Canadian but, Netflix. But like with a with like a serious twist ending, like something you wouldn't expect type type ending. Oh yeah, that does sound good. It's got Brad Pitt in it. We know how much you love him from this movie. And Morgan Freeman. And Morgan Freeman, who's not in this movie. Who's he's in he's in Batman though. That's good enough. Yeah. <laughs> he's good and Shawshank wow. Redemption. Wow. Uh, I was about to say Morgan Freeman is a lot of more amazing movies than Batman. <laughs> Sha- sorry, Shawshank You're right. Redemption. Yeah, Bruce Almighty. Yeah. Bruce yep, Almighty. There we go. <laughs> Right. All right, so <laughs> once upon a time in Hollywood, right? Morgan Freeman and whatnot. Um, How long do you want this episode to be, Matt? I I, I don't care, honestly. <laughs> this is a matter of Annabelle's wants and needs now. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Look at, like, you were, I already wanted the movie to be shorter. Yeah, <laughs> you didn't even want to watch this, probably. <laughs> No, well, I did want to watch it. She wanted to when she thought it was about the Charlie Manson murder. Yes! Uh, that's true, that's true, that's true. <laughs> After watching it, though, I know you didn't want to record this episode. 
I wanted, I did, I really wanted to, to get it over with. The only thing that was making me excited about it was that we had Keith on tonight. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I was going to say, if it was just you and me, I could understand like just wanting to get it over with or not, but we yeah. had Keith with this. Like that's enough to be excited about. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are too sweet. You're too sweet. Um, Would you say act two begins with um Cliff Booth heading his way over to Spawn Ranch? I, I was. I, think so. I said, yeah. Uh, I said it. It kind of starts with like when we see Rick, like getting on the Lancer set, and see mm-hmm. um, Sharon doing like her downtown LA stuff, and then, and then the Spawn Ranch. Yeah, fair stuff go down. Which, I mean, like, come on, like, yeah. Basically, like, you see Rick just, like, kind of struggling with his acting on the Lancer set. He's, like, forgetting lines. He's, like, losing his confidence because of what Al Pacino's character said to him. And then you just see Sharon Tate doing her downtown LA stuff. She goes and sees her own movie, which is especially funny because Margot Robbie's Sharon Tate is sitting in the audience watching the movie. Yeah. But it's actual footage from the movie that Sharon Tate was in. So it's actually Sharon Tate on screen. And again... They look similar, more similar, I would say, than Brad Pitt and Leo. But yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely yeah, you can tell the difference. Yeah, you can definitely tell the difference. That scene was on at the time. My my fiance caught it, and uh, while she was doing something else, it was like, oh, they didn't replace her in the movie. And I was like, I, I think it was mainly probably just the, the the idea of it being disrespectful. It's already a show or a movie about the, you know pretty horrible topics that happened to her or at least reminiscent of those and to replace her with margot robbie in those scenes is kind of like we're taking away from the tribute to her if we do that it's like let's actually show her in the scenes but they do show her practicing with bruce lee some martial arts which i thought was really cute um and seeing her like really be excited about taking her own career seriously and being like you know, uh, wanting to wanting to get into the movie because her name's on the poster was was a really cool character building thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, even down to like, again, I forget what it is, but even down to like going to the bookstore and picking up certain books for her husband, I think is what it was. Like the that that was like actual events that actually happened. So mm. I don't know. It's just cool in the detail they went in, but the true highlight of of the second act is not any of that. If we're being honest, the true the highlight is what happens at spawn movie ranch. Yes. Big time. What did you think of, uh, of him picking up? What's her name end up being pussy? Pussy oh. cat. Pussy, pussy cat. cat yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I I had a feeling it was going to happen just from the setup of all the times he's been driving through L.A. and they've seen each other and had these flirting while he's in the car. Um, and he's actually like alone this time and he doesn't have to go pick up Rick for a while. So he has the time to entertain her. Um, I did kind of catch me off guard that she probably was under 18. I thought she was at least 18, maybe 19. Mm. um but you know what at least they call it out at yes. least they're yeah. at least they are like and he stops they make a whole thing yeah they make a whole thing out of it <laughs> i ain't yeah. going to prison for a poom tang yeah <laughs> i did love that <laughs> <laughs> um when he gets to the ranch literally i was i was at the point where i was like oh 
if we weren't recording an episode on this, I would have turned this movie off by now. <laughs> and I, he gets to the ranch and I was like, oh, now it's getting good. Oh, okay. Now I thought you were saying like, good shit. I thought you meant after he got to the ranch, you were thinking about turning it off. I was like, what? No, right before that, right before he sees her and picks her up. I was like, man, I really want to turn this fucking movie off. But I can't. I have to finish it. I still have an hour and 40 minutes left. I have to finish it. Yeah. Well, yeah. The way the way that they subtly introduce Charles Manson in this, like with the, the scenes before where he meets Jay and Sharon, ever like starting from that point on, he just Charles Manson's character casts a shadow over the rest of the movie, and you're like, they're not gonna include him without pushing this further and so like especially for the first time you're watching this movie when when you see charles manson's character and then you see cliff go to the movie ranch where his cult is living at you're like okay some like some shit's about to happen like Mm -hmm. obviously they set it up earlier they're coming back to it now and this whole scene goes on and builds the suspense up crazy high yeah just for it to turn out to be nothing for yeah, the moment yeah. until like another what like 30 45 minutes into the movie yeah probably it is more than nice that. to see him beat the shit out of that guy who put a knife in his tire though <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't want to see that guy get punched at least a couple more times but yeah i i love the even just the idea of a movie bringing attention to the idea of a a western movie ranch like there was a time when westerns were so popular that they were pumping out like six or seven or ten a year uh plus tv shows about it rather than now where we see a western maybe once a year maybe two a year is it fluctuates ever since the 70s but like yeah that that's one of the few genres of movies that was considered dead by scholars they were like oh the dead the dead westerns like westerns aren't a thing anymore because they went from being so popular to being like once in the blue moon and to to need a a ranch to shoot so many shows you've got horses being wrangled you've got people who know what they're doing with all the the gunfighting the the stunts coordinated on this set that they get used all the time and then that series that genre dies and it's just like all right well we've got all these kind of fake houses and horses sitting out here in the desert (laughs) like Okay, I'll retire with some hippies, and Squeaky will watch my shows with me, and I won't try to annoy her. I don't want to disappoint her. Like it's just, <laughs> just such a sympathetic character. It was, I think it was George from Spawn Ranch. Oh, it's crazy to me that that was actually real. Like this guy George Spawn actually let them live on his ranch. Yeah, having sexual encounters with the many of them. I yeah. wonder. Like, I didn't, I didn't know that. Was, I thought it was just squeaky. Oh no, no! Apparently, it was a lot of them. I wonder, like, what went what? through his mind, like, afterwards, like after all the events went down. He's like, oh, that would be so, like, God. I, I feel like know. I feel like it, if it was the George from this movie, I'm not sure it would be very much. I feel yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Through his mind, he'd be like, "What? Who squeaky? are you? <laughs> yeah, squeaky? No." <laughs> We're gonna watch that show later. Like he's just <laughs> thinking about why he's napping. That's all he's concerned about. The cops show up. They're like questioning him. He's like, "I gotta go back to sleep for my squeaky time later." 
you're who? <laughs> I Annabelle. love when he says he says Cliff Booth and he says John Wilkes who? Oh, <laughs> <It's> yeah. like, <laughs> Cliff Booth. We work together. Anyway, we work together, George. <laughs> um Annabelle, since you're so set on seeing Charles and the Manson family. Yes. What did you think about this scene? I, I told you this was the only time I was actually invested in this movie. <laughs> this entire time he's on the ranch up until he leaves. And then I'm like, okay, the fuck now? Now I'm fucking bored for another 30, 40 minutes until so we see them felt- again. You felt blue balls after this. I did. I did. I did. I was like, you motherfuckers. (laughs) You got me excited in the middle of the movie. I just sat through an hour of boring shit, got excited for 40 minutes. Now I got to sit through another 30 boring shit just to see (laughs) this 20 minutes of hilarious inaccuracy, but it was hilarious. I'll give it that. But I wanted 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, not even 20 minutes, like 15 probably. Yeah, yeah I felt fucking gypped. <laughs> Fair. But I loved the scene in general. I loved the um, the eeriness of it. Like I kind of, I felt uncomfortable watching it. I was like, something's going to happen here with yeah. Cliff. And you just don't know when it's going to happen or what's going to happen. And I liked that. I liked how it kind of felt like the movie completely shifted tones. Yeah. For that little 100%. bit. I, he kind of walks on there because you've seen that scene with him and Bruce Lee at this point, you know, he's kind of a wild card, but also like a superhero. Like he could probably take himself <laughs> and he could carry himself and he could probably beat the crap out of all these guys. He's going to walk on there and make sure that no one's taking advantage of George. And he's just, he's playing the, the white hat and the, the, the hero character for a moment and it, it's quite sweet but uh nothing really comes of it and you're like hmm what the hell was that for exactly yeah yeah but to me it pays there, off in that ending it pays off in a lot of ways in that ending but everybody there is being so awkward and like suspicious about it though like yeah. he's just like i just want to see george and they're like you can't it's like why he's then they're all like he's now uh because he's taking a nap <laughs> like they say it in the most suspicious way possible whereas like if i was cliff i'd be like i don't believe that either i want to see him yeah and then when he comes out of the little shack and it's just pussycat there standing there waiting mm. for him and she's like you really embarrassed me like the fuck <laughs> the, what do you mean you're living in actual filth there's a fucking rat stuck to a sticky pad and y'all are just letting it happen like you're not taking care of it you got you're living in actual filth and it's absolutely disgusting how is he embarrassing you you (laughs) should be embarrassed by yourself (laughs) and she's like she's like so are we taking advantage of him and he's like i wouldn't call that it's like <laughs> yeah. so are we like innocent or are you like done around here yeah and he's just like not exactly but he just kind of like leaves things neutral and gray for the whole walk back to the car i love that he doesn't have to prove anything to them he's just like i'm <laughs> i'm getting out of here yeah. just yeah. get out of there 
and his tire's flat. He's like, what else is he supposed to do other than, you know, question George two, three times that he's there until he finally gives up? George seems happy. Okay, well, I did the best I could. He doesn't even remember who the hell I am. So, yeah, move on. I kind of low-key, low-key wish that Tex had actually, like, met up with Cliff again right before he left. Mm. That he made it back in time before. Just Yeah, just to see, like, what would have happened. Yeah. But I guess at the same time, it's... I'm kind of glad he didn't just so they could meet back up again at the end and just have and like the... vaguely, vaguely remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Agreed. Um, yeah, I guess that, that, that kind of, that scene kind of wraps up the end of, of act two going into act three, because now you're like, you've got all the stuff that's happened with Rick and Cliff. You got all the stuff that's set up with Sharon. You know, you got all the stuff set up with the Manson family. And then they're like, all right, time to see how, how all this comes together. What do you got, I have Keith? a question. I, 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 what did you guys think of Marabella Lancer in the scene where, where Rick Dalton is sitting on set trying to talk about his book and here's this way too educated way wise beyond her years actress at the age of eight years old talking to him and he's explaining how he is essentially a has-been and maybe needs to hang up the the reins (laughs) he's just so depressed (laughs) what'd you think of that i personally really liked her um that was another part of the movie that I actually liked was <laughs> the conversation between the she's, two sorry Annabelle she's another one of the she's another one of the female protagonists shut, <laughs> shut up <laughs> <laughs> but but she like that's it like this movie doesn't have a lot so there you go yeah. Brandy and Marabella <laughs> I liked um I liked how serious she was about her career at such a young age and she kind of really opens Rick's eyes in that, like, you're not really taking this seriously, which is mm. why you're feeling this way, unknowing yeah. that he's talking about himself. Um, <laughs> and then I really loved when they're actually shooting the movie. And, yeah. like, I was actually, take like, pulled into that with their acting. And after they cut she goes up to him and she's like that's the best acting i've ever seen i teared up a little bit i was like oh my god that was so sweet fuck you matt don't give me that fucking face (laughs) okay rick dalton (laughs) i I get what she's talking about though like like she gives him not only an opponent to be better than in acting he's like oh shit this little girl's gonna school me in acting no way and he like has to like go and give himself a pep talk where he's talking in the end into the mirror about if you fuck this up gonna be great out tonight yeah (laughs) that that was pretty funny his little pep talk in the trailer but him in that first scene with timothy dalton timothy oliphant sorry not timothy dalton timothy oliphant and him in that scene talking about the chili pepper daughter come down here and play her fiddle for us and he keeps fucking up the line. He's a line, line. And then you can see like Leo DiCaprio playing an actor who's playing a part, who's got it on the first try, but then loses his confidence and succeedingly loses his confidence. Each take is some of the, like, that's a thing that actors all like, like Leo 
can only do, can do because that's a lot of layers to play and you see the confidence shift and it gets sadder and sadder and he gets more to the point where he's just in tears he's like i fucked it up i'm sorry and it's just <laughs> like oh god that's it felt very i just really like that performance a lot just that whole take of him fucking it up and then him coming back and showing that no you know what he's got a ton of talent and he's gonna impress this little girl <laughs> she's yeah. a whole lot of little girl i like that all it took was this little girl to show him that he's not that bad he's just psyching himself out he's doing yeah. it to himself his own worst enemy yeah and him, and him throwing her on the ground. Like that to me, the fact that that was improvised and he didn't talk to her about that early. Because yeah. he asks her, is it okay that I threw you on the ground? She's like, now nah, I got my pads on. <laughs> so oh, shit. What does she mean when she's like, sometimes I just throw myself onto the ground even when I'm not acting. <laughs> like, that's another one of those things where it's like, what? It takes it so seriously, Matt. She's I guess. She's very serious. <laughs> Yeah, she's very serious. <laughs> what else has that actress been in lately? Because I feel like she was in something. I've um, seen her only she in looked one. Familiar. Thing. I've seen her she... in a in a Netflix series called "I Think You Should Leave," where she plays a character talking about the weight you need to be in order to have this one specific like little girl doll. Um. And it's like you need to be under this certain weight in order to have. Like, it's a really like like fucked up sketch but she plays one of the little girls in this like i'll find it i'll try my best to find it i got i got what i'm thinking of what um, is that actress's name i can't find her uh the gray man she's in the gray man oh i have oh she that. plays the the billy bob thornton's granddaughter and yeah, 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 yeah oh my yeah, god yeah. That's awesome. That's what I was thinking of. She's also in the Fablemans, but I haven't seen that yet. But I want to. What is her her name? Julia Butters. Not Julia Butters. It's such a funny American name. Housewife, The Gray Man, The Fablemans, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Boss Bitch Fight Challenge. I don't know what that is, but that sounds interesting. <laughs> uh, That's a Family the Man. Thirteen Hours, Queen of Bones, Term Life, Adventure Time, Distant Lands. She's got a few a few interesting things. There is, yeah. The sketch I'm thinking of is about a, ch a child's doll called Tammy Craps. Uh -huh. It is stupid, but she is great <laughs> in it. And I'll share it with you both somewhere private. All right. Tammy um, Craps. All right. Yeah, 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 no, no. I do agree, though. This is probably leo's best acting scene in the whole movie i would say yeah definitely like from the from the point of him like messing up his lines to the trailer to the coming back on set and getting them right and it being like yeah flawless yeah i think if you were to give a reason for him to pick leo dicaprio over anybody else it's this sequence of events this from, mm -hmm. from start to finish mm -hmm. yeah the on-set stuff which is so good definitely because everything else um, is pretty much Cliff Booth and uh, and Margot Robbie, and also like something that we haven't mentioned too is that like when when Cliff or when Rick is off camera or off set, he's smoking nonstop. He's coughing a lot. He's he's even stuttering like a pretty good bit. 
but as soon as he's like in front of the camera, it's like all all that's off. And it's yeah, just, I was gonna it's pure ask. Acting. Does Rick Dalton like have a stutter like normally? Because <laughs> he stutters normally, but then all of this acting, he's perfect. I think it is the like a lot of people with stammers and stutters it gets worse the more insecure they are and i think that the drinking does not help him and that's one of my reasons for thinking this is one of the best iterations of an alcoholic protagonist because you have the little things scratching at him and going okay you're not that good you fucked up you're not you're not presenting your best self and your your biggest challenges are going to come back and bite you and those kind of things do creep up and for him to have to battle his stammer on set and deal with that like in the trailer him going like you sound like an idiot like he's so mad at himself for having this stammer probably from childhood come up and and keep regurgitating itself in his uh in a a form of of craft or an art form that he thought he had nailed he thought he figured it out years ago and then it's coming back to haunt him it's just just funny that's it's a really good uh really good depiction i think i totally agree yeah i i even even with um the smoking and the coughing too like it, it's almost as if he's acting past having to cough like as a human <laughs> like it's gonna happen like, how, how do you even do that you know <laughs> it's those unfiltered uh whatever unfiltered Un- whatever unfiltered red apples. <laughs> red apples red apples yeah <laughs> Less throat burn. <laughs> okay, <lines>. so <laughs> I have I have that for for the the ending of third act, which is technically in the credits. I doubt yeah. Annabelle saw it though. Did you see the little <laughs> mid credit scene in this movie? Oh no, the credits <laughs> started so. rolling, and I immediately uh, shut it off. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, it's fair, not like fair. a it's not like anything uh helped the plot or anything like that. It's just yeah. kind of like a little bonus Tarantino fan fun pretty much yeah. um but i i do have that in my notes so we would get to that but all right so act three star scene star scene is obviously when the the three four Man- manson cultists go to cielo drive and they're there to kill sharon and roman and all the people in that house as things happen in real life but when they park in the street, Rick comes out and he's like yelling at him and whatnot, telling him to get off the street. So they're like, all right, all right, all right. So they back down the street and they leave. But then they're like, I don't know, man. Like, what if we just kill kill the people who taught us to kill, man? And they oh, decide to kill God. the people in Rick's house, which is Rick, Cliff, and and uh, what's her name? Francesca. Yeah. It's one of my favorite things is how dumb the cultists are portrayed in this revisionism. Uh, the, they are idiots and they're just like, I had a lunchbox with him on it. Oh <laughs> and then like Maya Hawk's character, the only one, Uma Thurman's daughter, which is so cool because he's worked with her for so long. Um, Ethan Hawke. Yeah. Gets, which he yeah, has, yeah. he needs to do movies with Ethan oh, Hawke, yes. I think. Or yeah. I guess at least a movie since he's only a got movie, one left the fact that she gets to play the scared one that goes ah, i left my knife in the car and then he's like well you're gonna need the keys because i locked it here idiot 
and then she just drives off. I was like, <laughs> yes, get out of there, you idiot. She yeah. was the only smart one out of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the rest of them be like just buying into that idea of like, let's kill the people who taught us how to kill. Like then having to justify it that way and then just making them seem so silly in that moment was was really funny. And Rick Dalton's so mad about hippies. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hippies. He's <laughs> margarita. hippies. This is a private road. <laughs> He's so bad. Anyway, that know. that is one thing that I think Tarantino does very well is making making um his protagonists, which are always based on real life, like people who are just wrong in general. Yeah. Whether it's whether it's them oh, yeah. being murderers, whether it's people being racist, whatever it is, he always makes them look so dumb in his movies. <laughs> <laughs> like he does it great in Inglorious Bastards, he does it great in Django, he does it great in this movie. Yep. Every time. Yeah. He makes them very likable by by giving them a lot of uh personality and a lot of flaws. And it's yeah, uh, it's just very true with Rick Dalton, especially. He's like just even this the idea that the these two men who are at the end of an era, the only way to end that era is to go home and get on a good drunk. <laughs> Did I say did I say protagonist a second ago? I think you did. I think you did, yeah. I meant antagonist. His antagonist. His no no no, not Rick. His antagonist. He always does a good job of making his antagonists look yes. bad. Yes. Embarrassing them. Whether it's racist, murderers, whoever, Nazis, whatever it is, always does a good job of making them look bad. Uh, that's very true. Does that yeah. does that yeah. make it a little bit more well, sense that, with what I said? With that scene in text tossing her the the keys to go get her knife, hurry up and go get it. Like she had her knife on her. We yeah. all know that. <laughs> you just gave her a way to get out of here, and he still follows through. And he's like, "We'll just split up after. We got to do this for Charlie or Charles, whatever." Um, yeah, it's yeah, he's an idiot. Yeah. So then, then, then they go into this house. Now, Wait. obviously, what? What did you think of the acid cigarette, Annabelle? Oh, I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> I was like, oh, I've never heard of a cigarette. I did not. I did not mean to do that. <laughs> I did not mean to do that. I'm sorry. I did anyway. Not mean to do that. So Matt always little... cutting me off. <laughs> I I've put a significant amount of uh, rum in this drink. It's okay. This uh, bubble cush is about to kick in at some point. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I did not mean to. Do... <laughs> I mean, I just messed up that whole last line about protagonist antagonist. <laughs> I just paused the recording. Sorry. You're good, Annabelle. Please continue. Okay. <laughs> um, I've never heard of a cigarette dipped in acid. I was surprised that um, Cliff had forgotten about it for yeah. so long, yeah. and surprised and he got it for that fifty cents, <laughs> right? I'm surprised that um, Rick didn't accidentally smoke it one day, mm. just being drunk. Um, I thought him being fucked up on it was so hilarious and it was even more hilarious when they invaded his home it was <laughs> even more hilarious because he was just yeah. like 
He was in his own little fucking dream world, and they were yeah. there to fucking murder him. Yeah, and he was just the fact the way he was reacting to just the hand movements, and then like dumping the dumping the 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 food out into the food dish <laughs> was my favorite. He's like he tastes a little bit of it, and then he's just like, whoa, what is the food dish? Like, whoa, I love that so much, and yeah, everything that follows is insanely violent but made all that more charming by the fact that Brad Pitt's character is fucked up beyond belief. And we can all just assume, because that's the, the, the great thing Tarantino does with the foreshadowing, much like the flamethrower, uh, is the foreshadowing of how trained Brandy is um, when he goes home and feeds her the wolf, what is it, wolf food or whatever the hell the, the name is. It's so funny. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, I know what you're talking about. It's good like a, food it's such for a mean basic, dogs. <laughs> it's such a basic generic thing. <laughs> but he, he opens a can of that and he sits down and he makes his, he makes his uh, macaroni and cheese, but she sits and waits patiently. She's not... And and she's so well trained, and it's that that's a day in the life of Cliff Booth. And here's the day in the life of Cliff Booth feeding his dog if he was high on acid. And it's the best juxtaposition of like yeah, this is what Cliff would be like if he was still Cliff, but um, on another planet at the same time. <laughs> yeah, really funny. Yeah, this this one can of Wolf's Tooth dog food they have. <laughs> it is it is good food for a mean dog, and the flavor is dirty hippie flavor. <laughs> <laughs> of course, but the ones the ones in the movie were like silly flavors like rat flavored or like i I think they had rat possum raccoon like just (laughs) silly like there's no way kind of animals yeah that would be uh that would be sad from the fda approved oh no my cat's trying to pull down detective pikachu from this shelf just leave him alone (laughs) he doesn't want to hurt you he's not Um, on your case it's okay so fun fact fun fact when the Manson family broke into Sharon Tate and Roman Polanski's house, Tex actually does say in real life, he does say the line like, whatever he says, like, I'm the devil and I'm here I'm to do the, the devil's devil. business. I'm here to do the yeah. Devil's yeah. He does say that in real life. So hearing, hearing uh, Cliff say, like, I'm here to do some devil shit. Like it's, just, <laughs> the last, it's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> or when he's he like, starts laughing at him. Yeah. He's like, I remember your red hair, and I remember your white little face, and you. <laughs> your name was. I'm the devil, says, and I'm here to do the devil's business. He's like, No, nah, it was dumber than that. It was yeah. something like. Rex. Rex. <laughs> when he says he first asks him, and that's the first time you, the first time you see Brad Pitt's character really show them that he's high, is he says, "Are you real?" And he's like, "I'm as real as a donut." And he just goes, <laughs> <laughs> he starts laughing his head off. Holy and then, and then Tech and then he, joins he in. points his finger up like a yeah. gun. Finger guns. <laughs> oh that was beautiful acting from brad pitt it was really good yeah this scene was so funny watching in theaters for the first time i'm so glad i was and you know what's even funnier i remember seeing this movie in theaters 
like so vividly because this dad, like this dad who's clearly a Tarantino fan, brought his wife and it was two or three kids who were <laughs> under the age of 10. Oh my to God. See, no. To see this movie. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> like, I bet. Uh, oh my God. I bet these kids had no fucking idea what the fuck was happening. <laughs> my God. To think that they his were movies hadn't been so violent good. enough before. The dad, the dad that was there was like. He's one of those like audible laughers. So like whenever something <laughs> funny happened on the screen, like you would hear him like behind you like laugh. So when this scene started happening, I could hear him laughing. <laughs> but the rest of his family dead silent. Like <laughs> yeah. I wish I turned around and just like looked to see what they looked like, but I could just picture it. I could picture like the children's face mortified. The yeah. the mother's face like 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 also mortified but also furious that that the dad <laughs> brought them to see this because like I don't know that Seeing audible laugh guy is funny that audible laugh guy is like when I went to see Get Out like a matinee showing and there was like me and two to maybe five other white people nobody else in the theater at all and I knew it was Jordan Peele's like first movie and that he is a comedian first and a satirist and a genius. And I started watching it and noticing all the humor in it. And I'm laughing my head off and none of them are comfortable. And they're all like, they're like not getting what is supposed to be funny. It's like, oh, I feel bad for laughing, but I'm sorry. This movie's really funny. <laughs> like, yeah, there's yeah, there's something very funny about ultraviolence, especially when it's done against people that are historically real and did such horrible shit that it's like, oh, that's why at the end of when my cat just broke a thing. <laughs> that's why at the end of Inglorious Bastards they have a scene where they basically pummel is it is it it is Hitler that they shoot it, in oh, the yeah, face yeah. with a Hitler's, Gatling gun. Yeah. Hitler's with a Tommy gun. They're they're just pelting him like filling his face with bullets and it's like oh this is okay in this in only this moment because we are supposed to hate this person he deserves like, it, it didn't <laughs> happen but it, it wish we wish it did sort of and it's just like yeah that kind of violence is like that's that's become tarantino's bread and butter is like you have to make this person cross the line before i'll unleash my version of the worst violence on him or her right. or whoever but yep yeah and I respect that. I think that those cultists deserved it, and each one of them died in such a ridiculous way, more so than the last. The redhead, oh my god, pulverized by by just From him. Every yeah. every yes. ninety degree oh. object in that house. <laughs> I mean, like just smashing her face on every ninety degree oh. angle he could find. And this, like, you know, it's some like very soon after the first smash, they switched to a like a dummy, and he was just doing it with a dummy head. But the sound effects they added afterwards of her hitting the 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 brick mantelpiece, the the phone with the the receiver off the hook, ching, like every sound ching, that they added, yeah. and there's this like there's this like <laughs> you hear these sounds coming, you're like oh god, like it's it's so damn detailed. That's all and I'm I, I'll I say love, 
<laughs> I love that Francesca hits her too because she's just this scared Italian woman that barely speaks any English, has <laughs> no like, idea what's happening. Hey, and you! Octo pushes her. There's our third female protagonist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I loved that all of this is happening. While Rick is just chilling in the pool, listening to music, drinking his margarita. He has no, no idea. idea. No idea. <laughs> he doesn't hear Brandy snarling as she rips Tex's balls apart after Cliff goes. And it's just, that's as simple as it is. Just And then he points at the other girl and goes, like, he just, oh, he breaks her nose with the wolf, the hound's tooth, wolf's tooth can. Like, it's so many horrible things happen to these people. They're both uh, like screaming too, like like the little pale face girl. She's screaming. Yeah, uh, Tex, he's screaming. Yeah, and like this is also push your point, Keith, that you're making a second ago. Like with the sounds, like they're both like as everything's happening to this one character that it's that it it's pointed at in the moment. You can yeah. still hear the other two screaming in the background. Yeah, <laughs> and not only that, but like. I I when it comes to movies, I am a sucker for movies playing like songs that do not fit the tone at all. So hearing yeah. Vanilla Fudge's "Keep Me Hanging On" playing in the background is just like this is great. Yeah, uh, yes, and and she the redhead decides to tackle him across tackle Cliff across the table, the coffee table, and he ends up with a knife in his hip bone yep. like, it's like yeah. he's just, I, I would say almost almost butt cheek area yeah, <laughs> like, probably when he taps it and it doesn't budge and it makes that like it's like stuck in rock kind of thing. Yep. Like, he's just like whoa <laughs> <laughs> and he's so fucked up he probably doesn't even feel it too <laughs> no, he's just fascinated he's like i never had a knife there before <laughs> yeah and then rick so. gets involved yeah oh yeah what's uh, who even cares what her name is at this point little pale face girl bursts <laughs> out the window she's on yeah i mean she's not on fire yet yet. Not yet but she's covered in blood screaming at the top of her lungs she got the revolver in her hand falls into the pool i for sure when i first watched this i for sure thought that when rick dropped his little um like what was his little device that he had like a little it was almost like a little not a boom box, but like a... It was a mini radio and like and yeah. headphones. Yeah. Like, like a, a little radio thing? speaker yeah, type yeah. thing. When that fell into the pool, I for sure thought that like, okay, she's going to get shocked. Like like the batteries are going to act up. It's going to electrocute her or whatever. And it's going to be the end of it. Yeah. Wrong. wrong. <laughs> I, I was wrong. It was so much better than that. Because <laughs> she yes. startles him to the point where his headphones are off. She startles him once. He doesn't see her. He's wondering what's in the pool. She pops up and starts shooting and screaming. And then he goes to the shed. <laughs> He's like, okay, it's shed time. If there's ever been a time to use this, <laughs> it's now. <laughs> Gotta barbecue me some hippie. <laughs> He's just he was waiting for this. He was yeah. waiting for this. Not too hot now. Yeah. And then, yeah, good times. He, he uses the same flamethrower from uh, from his little uh, Nazi movie earlier. I got the name. The 14 Fists, Fists of McCluskey. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> I also like the conversation he has with uh, 
Jay and Sharon afterwards, he's like, these fucking hippies tried to come into my house and just start killing a bunch of people. Yeah. And he's like, he says something I, like that. Yeah. And he's like, I roasted, I had to roast the third one myself with yeah. he says, roasted. Yeah. Yep. I have a flamethrower. <laughs> oh, from the 14th Fist of McClick. That's the same one. Yeah. The same one. Yeah. <laughs> he's like so surprised that they know who he is because he thinks that nobody knows who he is. He thinks he's a nobody in Hollywood. Yeah. And then Sharon Tate over the over the speakerphone is like, is everyone okay? And he's like, well, the hippies sure aren't. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the fucking hippies aren't. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then she invites okay. him up for the drink, and and there we go. We get with the get once the upon a time in, ending. Yeah, yeah, the once upon a time in Hollywood. Uh, spelled out. Yeah, title. <laughs> title. There we yeah. go. <laughs> there you go. Um, Annabelle. The the mid credit scene. I'm really going to call it post credit scene. The mid credit scene. It's not like your traditional like Marvel one. Like it was like one of those ones where it's like the credits are rolling, and it's got like its own little section of the screen that it's taking up, and the credits are kind of rolled up past it. Yeah. Basically, all it is is like a, a Red's Apple cigarettes advertisement by like this old Western star, Rick Dalton. You know, like how they used to do it. Um. Basically, the thing with red apple cigarettes is those are the one object that tie all the Tarantino movies together. They're they're the one consistent thing. Oh my god, I forgot all about this. Yeah, I think I remember you telling me that in the Pulp Fiction episode. Yeah, like in Pulp Fiction, in Pulp Fiction, um, uh, Vince. Vincent goes up to the bar and he's like, let me get a pack of cigarettes. And it's a pack of red apples, like in Django Unchained. Like that's, you know, even back then, like red apples are the ones. And and even in this movie, in that scene, he's like, red apple cigarettes have been, you know, like they've been going since 18, whatever, you know? So like that, that puts them during the era of Django, which I, I think yeah. either Django or uh, Hateful Eight's probably the oldest, set movies yeah. yeah but it puts it puts red 1960s, apples like even 1980s, yeah. even back then it puts them yeah. in that era <laughs> and then all the way up until his newer ones so red apple cigarettes are like the one the one uh the, i can't think of the a, word he a, a, a through line is that the word no no, no 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 what the, 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 the common the common denominator I think yeah, is what yeah, I'm searching yeah. for. They're the common denominator in all of his movies that ties them all together. I laugh so hard at the fact too that there, it is a commercial for unfiltered cigarettes, and it's mm-hmm. like that is not good for you. No. <laughs> less, and the fact that he's he's really talking up uh, considerable less throat burn. <laughs> like, <laughs> he keeps saying that. I love it so much. But that's the 60s though, isn't it? Because like yeah, they exactly. used to think that cigarettes were good for you. The whole thing is like that's why people watch Mad Men. That's why people watch anything of that historical era because they're watching the period piece look back on our ability to look back on that period and go, that really is how it was, wasn't it? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, never... <laughs> cigarettes, they were never actually good for you, but no, they have no. gotten worse over time with the added chemicals and stuff. When it was mm. like just tobacco, 
that was like the best you could get probably health wise (laughs) fair but yeah over time with the added chemicals and uh corporate america doing what they do to make (laughs) everything shit for humans (laughs) yeah they've considerably gotten way 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 worse for your health over time (laughs) damn you know something filtered something funny um when i watched this movie in theaters i was still i was still vaping at the time and i was using the little like disposable just like the little normal rectangle like the elf bar ones i don't know what that is but maybe like they were they were literally just a rectangular just a long rectangular prism like nothing special Mm -hmm. at all to them so like very resemblant of a cigarette when i I watched this movie in theaters for the first time I started like hitting that thing like like Rick Dalton hit cigarettes in the movie. Like it was it was just constant. I was like, all right, all right, all right, I gotta quit. It's I crazy. quit since I quit since then. But when I watched this movie, I was like, Good for you. I don't know what it had. It had some kind of impact on me. It was like I gotta do this more. Well, of course, it's a, I mean, it's a they, psychological they, thing. Yeah, they joke about people like there was a certain time in television, especially, but a little bit in films as well. They wouldn't allow it at all. And now it's come back, but there is a, a huge psychological impact when you watch someone else do else do the thing that you kind of are addicted to and don't want to be doing, but you kind of want to end up doing it anyway. Like you just, it's that, that, yeah, that tether. It, it has a hold. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. Most, most the of the time when I, I want see pineapple it, express. I see, I see smoking cigarettes as like, it's like gross and like, I don't want to do it or whatever. Like vaping was like the better alternative to it, even though that's still wasn't good but like i don't know the way they did it in this movie just made it seem like so much more like classy and like more accepted (laughs) yeah that's that's why like it really hooked me in and i was like i think i was 19 when this movie came out it it really had me yeah he's always smoking in such a romantic way like he really loves yeah Annabelle, I think you had something, but Keith, while, while Annabelle, you're talking about it, Keith, I want to show you something when Annabelle's done talking about whatever she had, because Annabelle, you did have something, right? Oh, I was just going to add on, like, whenever I watch Breakfast at Tiffany's or any type of, like, mm. period piece, or yeah. not really a period piece, but, like, set in the 50s or the 60s, everybody's smoking a cigarette. That was the cool, classy thing to do. It makes me want a cigarette so yeah. bad. And it makes me want to smoke it indoors too, man. Yeah. <laughs> the vape's the not same. enough. I want a cigarette indoors. <laughs> I tried a cigarette. I tried a cigarette one time in my entire life. And it was at my friend's bachelor party when I was like super drunk. And when I say drunk, I mean like to the point where like one of my friends was like, I bet you won't go get in that pond and try to mess with that swan. I stripped down to like my underwear and went and got in that pond. Like that's how drunk I was. That was the first and only time I ever tried a cigarette. And I was like, God, this is just the worst. This is the worst. (laughs) And I have never done it since. I never did it before. I don't know. Cigarettes are just disgusting to me. Well, the the closest thing to me and and I I have smoked cigarettes. I just never got hooked on them strangely, but, but I used to smoke joints and, and I have not smoked joint in quite some time. I think that, uh my my fiance's sister's birthday back in august was the first time in probably five years and so that was the last time i did it but beyond before that my goodness but 
used to do it all the time and that same thing of you see it in movies or you see someone having a drink in movies and that's something you're trying to give up or something you're trying to curb back and it's just it's like damn they make it look good just the way it is lit <laughs> the way that they're focusing on that poor or they're focusing on that drag of that joint it's like fuck there is something very alluring and it's a it's no wonder people thought you know that that shit's gotta get cut out we gotta get that shit out of movies it's ruining america or or canada when uh when Rick and Cliff walk into that bar at the beginning of the movie for the first time, it's like, and he's like, he pulls a cigarette out of his mouth, the smoke like falls, and it's like, oh, that looks so good, but those are so disgusting. It's like, how? Yeah. Um, but no, anyways, this is what I wanted to show you, Keith, is this little Ooh. special edition. Oh, the 15th gasoline anniversary. Can. Reservoir oh, Dogs man. gasoline can DVD that I have, and like That's even cool. when you pull it out, <laughs> That's pretty cool, actually. When you pull it out, shit. the D- the actual DVD package because this is like a tin can, right? And it's yeah, got like yeah. the little little thing on top and whatnot. The actual DVD holder is a uh, it's a matchbook. Oh, book. that's cool. <laughs> that's fucking that's cool. So smart. That's really cool. Dude, I saw this thing. I saw this thing. Um, uh, what was that? Second and Charles. I don't know if y'all ever heard of that, but Second and Charles is like this, like secondhand, like retail store where like they resell like stuff that people have. It's it's almost like a Goodwill except with books and movies and and yeah, yeah. albums of all kinds. It's like that. Nice. Why well, I, I saw this thing and it was like super cheap. I was like give me that right now i don't even care i don't even care well, that's a find that's a really good find for this was an absolute yeah. find this was probably the best thing i found at that place ever sure there you go annabelle we got to go through all the tarantinos all nine you got three down but we got to rewatch uh everybody will hear wants to watch the glorious bastards again apparently yeah I do really I'm, I'm, I'm down for it i'm down for that go. Django and reservoir dogs yeah we don't have to watch jackie brown it's all good Jackie Brown. Uh, yeah, I forgot Jackie Brown. <laughs> Jackie Brown is the fourth female protagonist that he's ever. Yep. It is it I, is bad. I only saw that movie once. I only saw that one once. It's tricky. It's tricky because there's nothing like like it's off the hot off the heels of pulp fiction. And I feel like he got maybe a little cocky and also a little less original because he based it off a novel someone else wrote. And it's like mm. then Kill Bill came out and he's like, okay, I gotta take it seriously again or else. I'm gonna fall away. But the anyway. the one time the one time I saw that movie is when I like moved in to my last house. It was like the night we moved in. I was like un- unloading all my boxes in my room and I just had it playing in the background. That's the only time I ever saw it, but I don't know, I just <laughs> you're a breaking bad fan, right? Yeah. You know the vacuum salesman? Or vacuum salesman. <laughs> the one that people aren't supposed to know about, and you call this number if you want to disappear. He was also in the, the El Camino movie that followed Breaking Bad. And he was in Jackie Brown? He was the main he was the main male protagonist in Jackie Brown. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay, okay. I thought you were gonna say yeah. he was like doing the same thing and Jackie Brown was like that would be cool. <laughs> Like welcome adding, into the background. 
somehow adding the Breaking Bad universe into the Tarantino verse. <laughs> like, um, speaking of Jackie Brown, though, speaking of Jackie Brown, though, the airport scene here in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the one where there, where, where, um, Francesca and Rick and and Cliff are getting off the plane and they're walking through the airport, you know, to to go home. Yeah, yeah. Same airport from Jackie Brown. That makes sense. That's a great because she is a, a flight attendant, and that's yes. it's her whole character is that she's a flight yeah. attendant who suddenly ended up with a luggage uh, full of like eighteen million dollars or whatever a, a carry on luggage. <laughs> I, I it's <laughs> like, it's been a couple I, years since I saw. Oh that. man, I can't oh, even tell you. But Samuel Jackson in that one, as well as Pulp Fiction, I think he plays the opposite of the character in Pulp Fiction in, in Jackie Brown. He is a piece of absolute shit. In Jackie Brown. <laughs> we'll <laughs> have awesome. to definitely uh, bring Keith back anytime we want to do a Tarantino movie. I yeah. might just like I might just do them, do a couple of them for like my trust me like it's just to just to bring <laughs> Keith back. <laughs> Ah, please do. I'll try to be as verbose and prepared. <laughs> but we're switching up our schedule, so that means I'm getting less trust me like it's per year. Oh my god, what do you mean? I only get six instead of twelve. Why do you only get s- You're the oh, one that I wanted should... to change the schedule. Why I are know. You <laughs> I'm... So wait, well, so... pause. We You're both saying that she to. also <laughs> only gets six? Yes. yes. Oh, okay, that's fair. Because we're only doing the schedule. <laughs> We're only doing one trust me like it per month and it alternates between the two of us. So six and six. But we did make a goal for the new year to have more guests on. So that is true. So I could I could pull what I do sometimes and be like, hey Annabelle, I know you're gonna like this movie. Watch it real quick, and then we can do like a a movie review on it <laughs> instead of a trust me like <laughs> it. Yeah. Yeah. But if I if I if I hit you with a hey, if you watch this movie, Heath can be on it. I'm sure you'll be more inclined to do it. I will, yeah. Definitely. And honestly, after this talk. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Honestly, I think if we had you on for the pulp fiction one, <laughs> I probably wouldn't have hated oh, it as much as oh, I did. Oh, I <laughs> because because after after talking with you guys tonight. I don't want to say that I want to go back and watch this movie again because that's a lot of fucking time out of my life. But I have a, a more a more appreciation for it. Mm. I understand it more now that well, I know it's not a gotta, Charles Manson. Movie. Exactly, exactly. You gotta watch it as a Rick and Cliff movie, yeah. where comedy. these exactly where these where these other real real slash changed events happen you gotta watch it like that instead of like a charles manson movie yeah if if someone had told me that that was a charles manson movie going in i would have been pissed off too i i sadly knew so little about the actual events at the end of that movie that i was i went in blind uh and then looked it all up after i was like wait what was i supposed to have like caught and and i didn't know this about charles manson all i really knew about charles manson going in was that he had a cult. He was considered one of the biggest serial killers or, or dangerous minds, and he had this swastika, and he was in jail and crazy. And that's like the only things I knew, and I didn't know specifically what his cult had done. Uh, so, yeah, I, I 
had a completely opposite version of your viewing. Plus, I love to go Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> if Annabelle, if you want that fix, just go watch Mindhunter. Yeah, I, I need I I need some uh serial killer true crime and fix Dahmer. type thing. I do need to watch Dahmer because you I know I fucking love Dahmer. Evan Peters. I fucking love him. That was crazy. I... I don't think Katie knew Evan Peters before that show, and we both got glued to it. We're like, holy shit. We like we were like annoyed at ourselves for liking him so much because we knew he was portraying such a piece of shit. Yeah. We like, oh he's but so he's good so at it. So good. He's so yeah. good at it. Can I make a recommendation? Sure. To 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 accommodate both sides. Watch Mindhunter season one, then Dahmer, then Mindhunter season two. Oh, smart. Have okay. I have I steered you wrong yet? I told Old you fiction, to watch you steered me wrong. I told you to watch <laughs> Invincible and you loved it. Okay. It was pretty fucking good. Have you watched I, it, Keith? Which one's this? Invincible. Invincible? If you have you to question watch it, it. If you have to question it. Keith. It's fucking amazing. This guy right here. This guy. Oh, the show. <laughs> yeah. I thought you meant Invincible. The Mark Wahlberg joins the Eagles movie. Not the, not the football no. movie either. <laughs> no. I'm not a big football movie fan. <laughs> I watched the I first two episodes of Invincible. I gotta get back to it. How <laughs> could you possibly watch and finish the first episode and not watch the entire season in one sitting afterwards? Here's <laughs> the first episode gripped me and i was like holy shit and i started the second one and it lost me before the end i was like i wasn't as good as the first episode i don't know and then I, <laughs> it gets I, better I, yeah, it's my fault. it gets my fault. so much like, better this is like oh. the uh, it's like one of the epitome trust me like it's like if i had done an episode on this for annabelle it would have been the absolute epitome of trust me you like it episodes but i didn't do that i just she just watched it on her own i, I did i got Damn bored it. one day and i watched it on my own and it was <laughs> i almost finished it in one sitting i almost did because it was just fucking amazing oh my god so, so how many times does matt bring up invincible as a success as a win in his category on this show but never actually used it in the show ever since <laughs> ever since she watched it i gotta bring it up at least once per episode he does fair, fair. he always says the... when have i ever steered you wrong he always says that and then you say pulp fiction pulp fiction <laughs> but, love, but pulp fiction show. is different it's different because pulp fiction is like indiana jones no it's nothing like Indiana Jones. Come on. <laughs> no, that's but where Pulp... you steered me wrong as well. <laughs> oh no! The craziest thing is that you're like you're in the biggest minority ever when you say you don't like those two movies. I know. Like, not I'm sorry. only, not, I don't know it's how okay. else to I got put another it person you. on your side in my home. <laughs> but not only is Indiana Jones Raiders of the Lost Ark. It not only is that like one of the biggest like like films of all time it's also like in our top five most listened to episodes of all time and that doesn't just happen <laughs> that doesn't just happen with anything like it's gotta I be know. a pretty good movie but and then you already know what i'm gonna bring up with pulp fiction library the the national film registry 
it's it's in there in the library of congress it's in there you know what else is in there i learned this the other night and i know you 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 both know what i'm about to talk about shrek shrek is also in that (laughs) amazing an amazing fucking movie it deserves to be there i fucking i i do i do love shrek i have like this is i mean like I've, i've been watching shrek since as long as i can remember Great franchise as a whole. I don't even care what the ratings and reviews are for the for the other for the final two for Shrek the Third and Forever After. I don't care. It's it's great. It's great. It's great. I not only am I a sucker for things that like when a movie plays a scene that's like utter chaos happening, but the song is like this elegant, <laughs> pleasant, melodic song, like <laughs> like where the where it, the song really doesn't funny. fit the scene. I'm a sucker for yeah. that. I am also a sucker for for fairy tale movies that have like a twist kind of thing. So like Shrek, like Shrek for example, or like The Wolf Among Us. I don't know if y'all ever played that, but like it's like the fairy tale kind of thing. But it's also like the werewolf is like a detective trying to figure out like the fairy tale shit that's oh. happening, like stuff like that. Also, so yeah. How do we Shrek, start talking sorry. about Shrek? I don't know. I just Shrek I had Shrek. to bring it up. I just couldn't resist myself. I watched all four of the Shrek movies recently, and <laughs> what a good decision! I did that like a year ago. I don't think I'd seen the fourth one, and we watched them all in a row. Those good times. When I when I got out of Marine Corps boot camp, right, or when I was still in it, I I remember specifically sending my sister letters saying like. For whatever reason, I was really in the mood to watch the Shrek movies while I was there, but obviously I couldn't. So I was sending my sister letters like, I don't know why, but I'm really interested. Or like, I really want to watch the Shrek movies right now. Like, I'm really just getting that that hankering for them. So when I graduated, she bought me this oh. is the box set of all four of the Shrek oh, movies. Wow. Nice. So I got them all on DVD. What, what's right your here. opinion on Puss in Boots 1 and 2? I haven't seen the first one in a long time and I'm down to see the second one. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm down to see the second one. Cause that one just, I mean, that one just came out. Just came out. Yeah. yeah. Just came I out. And I don't think a lot of people know that the first one even came out. People don't Annabelle, did you know that? The, did you remember the first one came out? Yeah. I watched it when All it right, first came you. out, <laughs> but it's been a very long time. Cause I am a Shrek fan as well. I fucking love Shrek. I grew I respect up that. watching Shrek. <laughs> I have it on DVD. I would literally, because we didn't, we were kind of poor when I was growing up. So a, a lot of times we didn't have cable. So I would just watch DVDs all the time. I would nice. watch all the Harry Potter movies back to back, the Shrek movies back to back, um, I had a VHS Lion King that I would watch back to back. Nice. And I think the Princess Diaries, I would watch that back to back. Okay, okay, okay. You had me for the first three. The first three were were agreed. I agree, agree, agree. The Princess Bride? No, Princess Diaries, not Princess, Princess Diaries. Bride. Don't know about that one. Don't know about that one. But I I fucking love shrek i love it and i love how it's like a fairy tale that makes fun of fairy tales at the same time exactly yeah. and it makes and it makes fun of other things too like yeah they oh, yeah. actively it's dreamworks they actively make fun of disney mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like yeah come on 
It's like they're, they're... they're putting an easy target on their back. Why not? <laughs> Shrek. Look, this is the last thing I'll say about it. All right. <laughs> all the things that went into Shrek becoming the way that it did. And I, and first of all, hold on. Let me just let me just clarify. I'm not doing this for the meme. I'm not doing this because it's funny. All right. Like I genuinely mean this shit. Like Shrek is one of the greatest <laughs> film franchises of all time. I can tell by like the veins coming out of your face. Especially you... <laughs> animated. Like I'm kidding. There aren't any. There aren't. There aren't any. I was a I joke. Can... I can make some come out. Like I'll <laughs> accentuate my neck and forehead so like they specifically <laughs> pop. <laughs> but like, but like all the things that happened to make Shrek the way it was happened so like stars aligned perfectly that like it's like you, you gotta love it. You just gotta. Fair. Not even just for the meme. Not even just because it's funny. Not even <laughs> any of that. I'll put all that aside. It's just great the way it is, you know? The soundtrack <laughs> is amazing as well. Dude, eels? <laughs> eels? How many people do you know that just listen to eels just, just because? <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to confess, I don't know what song you're talking about. <laughs> eels, literally, they do most of the songs in the Shrek franchise. Oh. Check out Eels. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Shrek. You'll probably eels. recognize like 90% of the songs when you hear them. Yeah. Okay. It's it, obviously it's not somebody wants to <laughs> That's Smash Mouth. But like Eels does like a lot of the songs for, for Shrek. Well, okay. I'm listening to I Need Some Sleep by Eels. Good. Good like choice. You. Good choice. Are you. <laughs> You're currently listening to that, like right now, like even Just a second ago. Oh, okay, hold on. Uh, it was only a couple seconds. I'll give you. Oh, oh, um, my beloved monster. That's that's another big one. That's the one when like Shrek is like realizing that like Fiona is also an ogre and like, you know, yeah. I can send you a list of eel songs that are pretty good. So. <laughs> Like I've got a couple of I got a couple of albums right, on, yeah, my, yeah, on my phone. <laughs> I'll send you guys that clip of Tammy Craps. <laughs> you already did, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I did. It's somebody filming their TV. <laughs> oh, I guess, sick. I guess the sketch doesn't wait. exist. <laughs> Can't wait. But it is funny, and and Marabella Lancer is definitely in it. Julia Butters. That's an awesome name, Julia Butters. It is. <laughs> I forgot that that was her. Uh, is it? Delightful. <laughs> is it? <laughs> what did you? What? Hold on. What? You called her. Uh, Mila Mirabella. Uh, Mirabella Lancer. Lancer. Yeah. Yeah. That's her character's character, and then her character's name is Trudy Fraser, and then her name is Julia Butters. Damn. That's, that's funny. That's like <laughs> that's like Leonardo DiCaprio playing Rick Dalton, playing Caleb Dakota or Dakatu yeah. or whatever they call him. Dakatu. <laughs> Dakatu. He said, "Oh, I thought it was Dakota." <laughs> the funny part is, is that it, is that you think it probably is Dakota, but yeah. then you also hear, um, uh, what's his name? Oh, uh, what's who? 
the director on the no 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 the uh, the uh, the opposite actor of 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 Caleb Dakota oh, not the Lancer Timothy guy Elephant? but yeah yeah you hear his yeah. character also say Dekatu. <laughs> well, it depends on how it's spelled. If it's spelled like it is in the subtitles, then it's pronounced Dekatu, and anybody reading that would know that. <laughs> how is it spelled? Because I didn't notice. I didn't. I didn't read the subtitles. It's like uh, D E C O or A U T E. I think, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, it definitely like does it's... not look like Dakota at the, all. <laughs> that does well. Uh, okay, yeah, true. I don't. When I watch this movie, I don't really read the subtitles because I just get too. I don't know what it is. This is just one of those movies where it's like I start watching it and I get too hooked on the movie to like pay attention to subtitles or write notes on yeah. it or whatever. You know, I just yeah. I'm I'm focused. That's fair. Yeah, you get sucked in. I yeah. wrote notes in the first half of the movie only because I'd seen it so many times, but I had to stop and enjoy the last half because it's one of my favorite halves. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's how I was. Like the third act, like I had the least amount of notes because, like, yeah, who can't enjoy? Come that? on, come on. You <laughs> know, favorite, like this... when he take he takes Brandy for a walk and starts the acid cigarette, takes one puff, and he goes, hey, and away we go. We go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's yeah. it, yeah. The train has left the station, Brandon. Exactly. It take a the play a drinking game. Take a shot every time he says, and away we go, or the train has left the station. <laughs> Just during the third act, I guarantee you you'll be drunk by the end of it. <laughs> he says it a couple times. We're talking at least five shots. And you gotta love when when uh he's getting carted away laughing in the in the uh, ambulance and rick dalton knocks on the on the window and just says you're a good friend cliff i try i try <laughs> <laughs> it's sweet that's the movie not the manson stuff <laughs> that is the movie that's the lesson we've all learned here today right annabelle and yes. keith's cat that's noodles, right? Yeah, that's noodles. That's noodles. Yeah. She's right, Annabella noodles. Yes, I said yes. <laughs> right, noodles. <laughs> Didn't hear a yes from noodles. There it is. I'll take. I'll take it. <laughs> Even though I could visibly see Keith do that, <laughs> I'll take it. it. <laughs> yeah. All right, so anything else anybody wants to add on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I thought we were talking about Shrek. (laughs) Anything else anybody wants to add on Shrek? I'm here for that, too. Shrek's a blast. This movie was a blast. Thank you guys for having me on. If you you want to come back when we do the Shrek movies, please. (laughs) Please. Whether whether it be Tarantino or Shrek, Keith, if you want to come back for it, that would make me it. happily ever after. That's <laughs> yes. what I like to hear. Yes, <laughs> we could spend some serious time on the Shrek movies, man. Oh, I, I I'll break down the Shrek movies scene by scene. I'll go back to that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even care. I'll get back to that day and age of the very Vendetta podcast. It is what it is. <laughs> all right anything else anybody wants to add 
Annabelle, do you have anything? Um, no. Thank you, Keith, for coming. We love you. Oh, love you guys yes. too. Thank you, Keith. Blast. We do so much fun. We do love you. It is great always having you here. Love you too, man. Annabelle. What? What? After listening to me and Keith talk about this movie that was this <laughs> whole time, what do you give this movie on a scale of one to ten? Oh shit. Uh okay. Coming into this episode definitely gave this movie like a three out of ten. I'd probably say I'm at about a a six. Six out of ten. Hey, that's a good boost. A cliff boost. <laughs> you yeah. heard it here first, folks. It's it's a nice cliff boost. <laughs> From Just a three out of ten to like, six out of ten. Y'all have like opened my eyes to the ridiculousness, hilarity of it that I did not catch while watching it. As happy, I'm a happy man to hear that. That's fantastic. Me too. Is that is that all you had on it? That's all it. The... Yeah, I okay. told you. I got nothing else. All right, <laughs> Keith. Did you did you have our outro prepared for you? Oh no, I don't have an outro, sir. I was only given an intro script. Damn it, Annabelle. This is why you're you told fired. me just intro. <laughs> I just, I just <laughs> never said oh, that was Annabelle about talking it. to me. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> he makes me talk to all of our guests. <laughs> That's why I liked when uh, it was said is... that <laughs> Matt loves this movie. Annabelle has not seen it and is very hopeful. <laughs> I was like, that sounds like Annabelle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And what do you mean? What do you mean I make you talk to all of our guests? Keith has been our one and only guest twice. <laughs> and every time you've made me be the one to talk to. <laughs> That's not true. I even said at the beginning of this episode that it wouldn't make sense if you were the host of this episode, the technical host. No, I mean like setting it up. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, Matt contacts me through his own uh Twitter. That is true. Yeah, I had to do that. <laughs> that is yeah, true. Yeah, if it's coming from the variant vendetta page, nine times out of ten, it's me. <laughs> that is, yeah, that is true. Yeah, I can, I can confirm that. When when I in the last episode when I said that one of our goals for twenty twenty two is to have more of a social media uh, impact. Twenty twenty three. Twenty twenty three. I meant Annabelle. <laughs> I I hope. I know that meant. Uh, but I'm on there. I literally I know, post I know. more. Annabelle Annabelle does a lot more of the social media aspect than I do. I will I will thoroughly Thank admit you. that. She I even asked her one time, I was like, hey, like, would you mind like just kind of taking up a little bit more of the the like posting on Twitter and Instagram? And she has she has. She she does do that a lot more than I do. Cause as soon as she started doing it, I'm not gonna lie, I slowed down. Mm. There you go. Because you knew it so, was taken care of by a responsible yeah. person. That is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, she, she didn't go hard on it. Props to Annabelle for that. I will give it to her. First episode of the new year. All right, I'll say something nice about Annabelle. Yes, she does take care of the social media presence more than I do. 
Except on TikTok. That's me. That's all me. Yeah. I, I can't work TikTok to save my fucking life. Sorry about it. <laughs> and I told I, you that when you were like, let's make a TikTok. I was like, okay, that's, that's all you, buddy. Because I can't work TikTok. <laughs> that is true. I did. I mean, like the algorithm on TikTok, I would say, is the easiest of the social media <laughs> apps. It's just like you just put in a good sound for whatever video you have. And if you don't want to hear that sound, turn it down to like 1% or 0%. doesn't matter. It's yeah, still like, going to have the sound. Uh, exactly. You exactly. Down, you're like, okay, let's bring it down. Like, uh, like, exactly. Turn it, yep. turn it, turn it down yeah. all the way. It's still going to have the sound attached to it. Throw in some hashtags. It is what it is. My personal account, I have like almost 100,000 views. And that's just for me not even trying. <laughs> And what's crazy is like on the Variant Vendetta account, I'm like, I'm actively trying and it doesn't have hardly as many views. <laughs> but hey, we'll get there. All this to say props to Annabelle for, for being the more social media presence. Thank you. Thank you. I'm more much. I'm more into the creating the post per episode and editing the episodes. Which I don't do that much editing to the episodes, but <laughs> it you're is selling yourself short here, Matt. <laughs> I, mean, I don't really do that much. Let me be honest with you. He does a lot of Photoshop, though. Like, he and he's great with it too. <laughs> I love it. Every time I see it, it's like one of my favorite things about. Oh shit! I gotta watch this episode. Look how look how he made them look. <laughs> <laughs> look at this silly thing I made us do. <laughs> I think I think one I of think my favorite so... ones. One of my favorite ones is the the Thor Love and Thunder one. When I switched the two of us, oh. so I put Annabelle's face on Thor and I put mine on on Jane. <laughs> I enjoyed um, that was one a lot. Of, I like the elf one. As well. I was gonna say I think the elf <laughs> is my favorite one. <laughs> you you I don't even know where'd even... you get that picture from? <laughs> it was just I one that even... you had you had sent me that one before for like another something else like i think it was another episode post and i was just like you know what i'm gonna reuse this one (laughs) (laughs) but keith you even like you either commented or slid up or not slid up but like you you dm'd and you're like this is good i gotta watch this now (laughs) or something like that (laughs) i was like dang that it's so damn inviting it's really really funny (laughs) the fact that you're in this brown suit (laughs) (laughs) and she's facing the right way just and it doesn't like it looks like annabelle's size too like it doesn't look like it's will ferrell like an eight foot tall guy with curly hair it kind of works the hands look a little big but it's just perfect it's perfect i did like i did i did like that one you wait wait watch the green knight movie or listen to our episode or both 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 I was saving it because I hadn't seen it yet. So you have to. You have to. I know what I said. I know what I said earlier. (laughs) But from what we've actually recorded and put out to the public, the Green Knight is the most trust me like it epitome episode. Am I right, Annabelle? It is, yeah. It is. I I went into that movie ready to fucking trash it. absolutely hating it and he explained the whole movie to me and i came out of it appreciating it and wanting to watch it again actually wanting to watch it again 
that is one of my Damn. most proud episodes. I'm not even gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, and it's if really you, good. If anybody listening to this has not listened to our Green Knight episode, I implore you go listen to that episode. It is that was a big good. Word. Good job. <laughs> Come on, I behoove it. It would behoove you to go you would listen. Be bequeathed. <laughs> go listen to our Green Knight episode if you haven't. If you haven't seen the Green Knight, go watch the Green Knight and then listen to our episode. There you go. Nice. I'm doing it. It's good stuff. That's peak, peak variant vendetta quality from me, not from Annabelle. <laughs> really? And I, I, I don't mean that as an insult. I mean that as like Annabelle. Obviously, you know, like she hadn't seen that movie or whatever. Annabelle has definitely had better performances in other episodes. But that's oh, only because she. That's only because you. she hasn't seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's only because she hadn't seen that movie. What was your biggest success, Annabelle, in your opinion, as far as convincing him to like a movie? Um, I mean, the only success I've ever had in him actually <laughs> liking a movie is misery. <laughs> yeah! I, I would, I would say that is that is her biggest success because, yeah. like, nice. Yeah, she did. She did good on that movie. Nice. Yeah, I need to start thinking of them again. We we haven't had Trust Me You Like It's for a while. We need to start. Yeah, 2023 is only so long. You got to get those 12 Trust Me You Like It's in. Six per. So start starting in February, we'll be back. Yeah. Nice. What's the first? You can't tell me. You can't. We can't. We can't. Hey, come just... on. Come on. Come on. I don't you think we think that far ahead? She doesn't know that because we haven't even talked about it yet. We have we don't even have any idea what it's gonna be. Fair. Fair. That is extra, extra, extra exclusive. I like it. Come on. We're only we're only one what day is it? Barely one week into January. <laughs> Do you think we're thinking about next month yet? <laughs> Come on. Dude, now. we don't even know what movie we're doing next week yet. Well, damn. Literally don't. Pulp Fiction? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's entirely up to our next guest who, Annabelle, are we going to... Are we Are we going to release that Reveal? delicate information yet? We can. I, I kind of need to message her to make sure she's still she's still down for it. <laughs> I'm sure she will be. I'm sure she out. will be. Yeah. <laughs> and if and if you know who you are and you're you're not feeling it, don't feel pressured. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just have Keith on again. It's cool. <laughs> you, go. you go. I'm a good fill in. <laughs> it's, Whitney. it's Whitney. It's Whitney. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, that would be great. I want to hear Whitney on more podcasts. She's great. It is Whitney. Um, I'm excited to see what she's going to pick. We still don't like Annabelle, so we still don't know yet. Yeah. I mean, hey, we got a little over a week. No, we have a week. We have a week. Well, I will be tuning in regardless of what she picks. I'm stoked. We're excited. We're stoked, too. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Anybody else have anything else to before we round this episode out? No. (laughs) (laughs) I am. I am a okay. All right. That will wrap up this episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, If you're feeling so kind, please 
feel free to support us on any of your podcast platforms that you that you are listening to us from. Um, drop us a five-star review, leave us a five-star rating, whatever you want to do. We're greatly appreciative. Or drop us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok at Variant Vendetta. Either way, we are very thankful for your support. Annabelle's laughing at me for whatever reason, which is causing Keith to laugh. So this is going to be a little bit harder. But hey, it is what it is. Hey, thank you everybody for listening. We will catch you next week with our next January guest pick episode. Or should I say January just pick episode? <laughs> you remember, you're a variant fucking vendetta. oh that was perfect (laughs) i didn't even want anybody to say anything after that that was too good that was good that was was great that was too good oh my god i was laughing because you were slurring your words a little bit (laughs) what annabelle hurry up and say goodbye so i can so i can Alright, all right, now what are you saying? I was not slurring any of my words or anything. <laughs> just a just a wee bit. <laughs> Did you want to keep recording this? Yeah. We gotta have our <laughs> <Okay>. post credits. <laughs> our post credit banter <laughs> now. <laughs> post credit ramblings. I gotta go to understandable understandable this this kicked in like 30 minutes ago man